The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Hey there. Welcome to episode 16, season 2 of the Very Poorly Made Police Memes podcast. I'm your host, Lenny. How are you guys? I hope this podcast finds you well. Maybe you're even in the shower and you just dropped your soap. I don't know. This episode, we travel to jail and we uh, talk to a corrections officer out in the Northwest. And we will probably do more jail episodes down the line just because different states, different jail type stuff. But I, I threw this out in the podcast a little bit, but poorly made police podcast, poorly made police memes. I don't know dick about corrections. So uh, sometimes people have this expectation, well, I'll do some corrections memes. Well, I don't really know anything about corrections. Every once in a while, you know, crank some jokes off about corrections. But w- with that said, you know, the main focus of the podcast will, in the page is always going to be kind of cop type stuff. But I'm I'm not one of these guys that I'm going to say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're corrections. They're not one of us. I I don't know, man. We're all on the same team, right? I, I don't get too torn up about that stuff. But I don't know anything about corrections. So this podcast was enlightening for me. I think you guys will enjoy it. We talk about a bunch of stuff. I learned a lot of stuff, and I thought it was fun. I had a good time with the podcast. I hope you guys will like it, too. But before we get into the podcast... Got to give big thanks to our friends over at OfficerPrivacy.com. If you listened last week, I spoke with Pete James, the owner of OfficerPrivacy.com, and it gave us a little more insight about what Officer Privacy is, where it came from. Just real quick, I hope some people didn't see that as like, uh, it's just going to be an infomercial. We Pete had a lot of good information to talk about. There was, you know, obviously we did talk about Officer Privacy, but we talked about leadership styles, some of the things he experienced, and, and I, what I really took out of that two was not getting pigeonholed into one thing if you get into law enforcement. So I really enjoyed recording that podcast. I thought it was a lot of good information. But obviously, I think officer privacy is a very important thing. I pay for the service. My privacy is important to me. I don't want people figuring out who I am. If I go back into law enforcement, I don't want people knocking on my door. We still continue to see these events throughout the country where you know, you're involved in something and you may do nothing wrong, but the mob thinks that you've done something wrong. And so, you know, now they're going to dox you. So that's why officer privacy is so important. And they've got a couple different ways you can do it yourself. Officer privacy 
created their custom easy-to-use software so you can navigate through the top 30 people search sites and delete your information. They have instructions for each and every site and they include a simple way to keep track of it all. And they provide access to their software free for 14 days. Plenty of time to go through and remove your information. Or you sign up for the premium service. That's what I have. You don't do a thing. They, you fill out a basic form, get a little bit of information, and then their staff of current and former U.S.-based law enforcement officers remove you from the top 30 people search sites and they monitor it for you. So, again, check out my friends at officerprivacy.com. All right, without any further ado, let's play a little bit of music. And we've made it back around my list to my buddies over at Weekend Picnic. And they just dropped an album in late April of some acoustic tunes. So you guys should definitely check that out. But here is their tune, Suffer the Silent. And we'll be right back with my friend John Doe from the jail. All right, now the next person to enter the digital, not the digital dungeon, the E-Dungeon. We're going to call it the E-Dungeon. That's uh, creepy. From the Pacific Northwest, the man, the myth, the legend, keeping us all safe. I have John Doe. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm, uh, I'm pretty good, man. Just got back from a little baseball. Doesn't really get any better than that, man. Little League Baseball, I long for those days. We didn't know Look, it at man. the time, but it was the greatest time of our lives. Look, Little League Baseball, in third, fourth grade, I was on a team where we won the, like, regional series, and it was, like, the proudest moment of my parents' life. Like, they loved it, and after that, it should be downhill from there. I work in a prison now, and they're like, God, what the fuck are you doing with your life? And you are- making money. Yeah, there you go. You are the first guy on the podcast that's uh, actively working in in a prison. I've had a few guys that, you know, jumped into law enforcement, done some jail stuff before that, but- you are the uh, the first prison episode, and I'm sure that we'll do more prison episodes because I'm, I'm sure it's I'm different. happy to pop your cherry. I so. love getting my cherry popped. I'm sure that we'll do more prison episodes down the line because there's a lot of different, you know, there's feds, there's different states, there's, you know, the city jails, the county jails. Like, so there, there's, there's, there's so much out there. It's ridiculous. Are private jails even a thing anymore? Does that still happen? So, like, there are, like, states with private prisons out there. The state I work in, I work in a, a state facility, so I don't, like have a lot of experience with it, except I know we get people from private facilities. Like we had a guy that came up from Arizona from private and he was a Lieutenant down there and he came to us for a pay raise as an officer. So like they're there, but from my understanding, they're just low pay. I mean, probably not all of them, but like a, a vast majority of them are just really low pay, bad, bad working conditions see, and stuff like that. I could see how that could not be the greatest thing when it's we should well, we should always be trying to save money, but like when you have a for-profit prison, yeah, like I don't, I, know, I don't know. Like when I was younger, like my my views growing up were more libertarian. The older I've gotten, it's it's definitely gone more centrist. But that's one thing I've always hated. Like, hey, let's have a private prison network. A private company is going to do it better. Oh, hey, now you have this private company pushing for harsher sentencing for, say, marijuana or different kind of drugs or low impact crimes or things like that. And hey, look, they have more people coming in. Uh, the more bed space they have, the more inmates they have, the more money they're getting. There's just a conflict of interest with that. Like with the state, like you don't necessarily want it to be 
cheap. Like you, you don't want to cut corners, but at the same time, you are looking to save money, but you're doing it as a public good versus trying to make a profit. So I think the state walks a better line, but then you sometimes you have different prisons are incompetent, different jails. I mean, it all just comes down to the leadership. But I, I prefer a state-run facility in that regard. Well, it's like anything. I think, you know, law enforcement on the street and then, you know, behind the scenes, ultimately you're as good as your leadership, right? Like you can have yeah. shining stars throughout whatever organization, but an organization as a whole, if their leadership is shit, then the department's shit. Yeah, like my prison I work at, we're over 700 or 600 people that work at our facility, security, security plus, you know, food service, all shebang. So we have a lot of captains, we have a lot of management. And throughout, you know, I've been in corrections for over seven years now, seven and a half now. And I've gone from, I absolutely love my superintendents, they're fantastic, to holy shit, these people haven't walked inside the facility in a year. Same thing with the captains. Just when you have a larger facility, you just kind of see the gambit more than I feel like if you have a smaller jail. Yeah. Like different shifts. Like, Hey, I like this captain. He works this shift. I can work that and feel like it's great. But when you work a small jail, there's only let's say one or two. And it's like, Oh shit. Am I going to go with this guy or this guy? My brother used to work at a smaller jail and like, it was him and like two other people at night mm-hmm. and they were severely outnumbered, which I was like, this is kind of a bad idea. Oh dude, it's not. So our facility were roughly about 2000 and you know, off the top of my head, I think we maybe only have 60 that work the graveyard shift maybe 45 to 50. I, it, it's really not a whole lot. You have maybe one officer per unit, one or two people that roam and take breaks. You got the mobiles that go around, but there's like no one at night. It's, it's nuts. The first time I worked a graveyard shift, I'm looking around the roll call room, like where the hell is everybody? And they're like, Oh yeah. If there's anything that happens, you're basically fucked. Oh, that's great. Appreciate good. that. Really good. Um, well, before we get into the nuts and bolts, I, I wanted to have a quick discussion because I, I often trigger uh, corrections people on my page for a couple of different reasons, but a little bit of triggering going on. I remember some of those. <laughs> there's some, some triggering. Well, the first thing is detention versus is corrections where it, correct me if I'm wrong. Detentions is more like your wait and trial kind of thing in a County jail. Corrections is when you've, you've graduated to a state facility. Is that, I mean, every, every it? facility, every state has different terminology. My state, we don't even use detention. It's just not a thing. You have the County jails. Uh, so for the state I'm in, um, I'm going to be a little vague on where I am Pacific Northwest. Someone, someone might guess it. They might see hear my voice and be like, that's you and you're fired. But, uh, you know, about a year and a year and a half is all you can stay in the County, uh, whether you're awaiting trial or for how long your crime is and anything longer than that, I'm actually kicked you into our prison system. So it's not necessarily the crime. It's the amount of time that you get. That's where you go. You're under a year and a half, bam, you're in the county. If you're over a year and a half, bam, you're in the prison. Gotcha. What got you into corrections? Oh, man. So I've always wanted to go into law enforcement since I was a kid. Uh, and I was in college. I was doing all right, but I was, I was getting burned out. I was kind of spinning my wheels. I was pulling another late nighter for a, a test, and I was just, I hated it. I just, I needed a change. So I'm going through my campus one day, and I saw a recruitment flyer for a county, uh, uh, for a county jail, they were looking for corrections officers there. So I put in for that. Uh, I went to go take the test. Uh, and when I was there, I met a guy who's like, Hey, you know, I see you're going for this County thing. Uh, there's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of openings for it. Why don't you also put in for state while you're at it? I'm like, okay, I never really thought about it, but I'll give it a shot. Well, the County, they ended up rehiring a guy they had to let go because of budget cuts. 
So I didn't get it. But the state called me back and said, hey, you tested great. We'd love to have you. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Why not? And then seven years later, I'm just enjoying the heck out of it. You know, it's got some rough issues, but I'm making some decent money. See, that's it's good that you're enjoying it because I, I have this perception of being in the jail because I actually, and not to make this about me, but I'm going to steal the show a little bit. I got offered a job when I was a, a little bit younger to work in a jail before I had even been a cop. And I turned it down for monetary reasons because it just, where I got offered the job, I wasn't going to be able to make it work with money wise. Uh. But hindsight, I was like, you know, I just, for me, I don't think I would like that idea of being in jail all day. What do, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? So am I just like, is that am I just in my head or what do you think about so it? So it's definitely rough. So we have a lot of different facilities in our state. Some of them are more indoor, some of them are outdoor, and I've toured about half of them. I've always wanted to tour all of them. And the facility I'm working at is about half indoors, half outdoors. So the housing units are indoors, but going anywhere else uh, in the prison, you have to walk off the housing unit to an outdoor setting. Um, and then you're able to, to go around. And that that's always nice. When I went to another facility for training, uh, it was indoor 24-7. Uh, the only time they had a yard that was literally attached to the facility. And when you walk into the yard, it's 20 foot walls on each side and all you can see is the sky. And I feel like that would freak me out if I had to live in that. But my facility, for better or for worse, like snowstorms, rain, I like you're able to go outside and it just makes it a calmer environment. Uh, not just for the officers, but the inmates as well. Uh, they enjoy being able to see a train go by. or And that, that's what I think I would like. I, I think I would have trouble just working indoors without seeing sunlight for eight to 16 hours. Yeah, I've always had jobs for the most part where I could at least see outside or I could go outside for a little bit. And I, I've i been lucky most of my adult life, I've had jobs where I was mobile, whether that's, you know, I worked oh. in a mall, I walked around a mall or, you know, cops. So I've kind of thought maybe about doing corrections out here if I wanted to maybe mm. transition to a different part of law enforcement. But I got, and it got back in my head again. I was like, well, I don't know. I think it wouldn't be for me. I mean, do you, do you have people kind of burn out pretty quick in that environment saying, oh, I can't do so this? So not everybody can do it. You can be, a, one thing I've learned about corrections, you can be a phenomenal person, someone I'd love to go talk to, have a beer with, play games with, whatever. That doesn't mean that you're necessarily good for working in corrections. Like the issue with, you, okay, seeing a guy get sliced up. I've seen a guy have a heart attack. I've given CPR to a guy with an overdose. Like you see some shit. There's some action. You're breaking up fights. But for the most part, it's dull. It really is. Nine out of 10 days of work. Or heck, you know, even with the COVID, we dropped from 400 fights a year to about 100. So we're just, there's not a lot going on. It's the same repetition every day. And some people get bored. Some people start talking to the inmates. That's how I feel like people get compromised. I've, we lost more people to just being bored on the job than we have that, you know, got hurt and couldn't work it anymore. You know, corrections is you go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat, but for the most part, it's zero. And the other part is just, it's taxing a dorm unit. And let's say uh, different units, you're from 80 guys to about 110 just by yourself. And some units are better than others. You have some of the, the incentive housing that, you know, they just kind of go and do their own things. And then you have some units like the mental health units that you have inmates on your leg all day. And it's mentally draining. You could be at the end of the day, you've, all you've done is just walk back and forth doing tear checks, but you're, you're dead tired. You have made a hundred, a thousand decisions and you just don't want to do it anymore. 
I feel like that a lot of people have trouble with that. They're coming in, they're thinking catwalk shotguns. I'm going to break up fights. It's really, we're not just standing there being guards anymore. You're having to engage inmates a lot more. There's some prison systems where uh, the inmates run the unit and the officers kind of do walk arounds. We're stationed like on the dorms in the center of the unit. Everyone has to walk by us. We run everything from when they go to the bathrooms, to the phone signups, to uh, their call outs every time they have to leave or come to the unit to check in with us. Uh, it's a, you're a babysitter. You're a, a, a weird way to say it. you're like a dad. You're like a counselor. Uh, you, there's a lot more talking on this job, interacting, putting out fight or putting out fires before they start than people think. There is, you have to multitask a lot in this job. And I think it throws people uh, by surprise. Now, you mentioned something about the pay where my perception was working in corrections, the pay is dog shit. So it really depends on your state. So, I mean, I said the Pacific Northwest, this might blow where I'm at, but uh, we're in the top five, like paid in the nation. Um, so if you look at like Idaho, for example, they're making, and you know, guys in Idaho might butcher me, but last I heard like roughly 15 an hour where we're starting in the 24 an hour range, topping out somewhere in the mid thirties, you know, without overtime or shift differential, I'm be topping out like 80 grand. That's and not, for where I, mean, I live in the area I live is pretty decent. Yeah. That's not bad money. I, and I wanted to kind of but get, there's some money. states that are like 10 bucks. Well, and that's something I wanted to get into is <laughs> I, I saw a post, I don't remember where, but it was basically, it was a graduating class. And I think it's somewhere in the South of some prison uh. guards and they were big, like bigger than me, big, which is pretty uh. big. And people were kind of cracking jokes. And I, I looked up the state and I was like, all right, well, they're not going to get the cream of the crop. Like they pay 10 bucks an hour. So you're not going to get you know, you can't have these like crazy fitness standards yeah. for people that are going to make, basically they could go to Walmart and make more money kind of thing. Uh -huh. and so I found that was kind of interesting. So like in this job, like, so in the seven years I've been here, I've had one guy run. We had a fight in the compound. Uh, we sprayed one guy. The other guy took off. He ran about 25 feet, hit a fence. And I, and this is no joke. We're like, Hey, why are you running? Like, where are you going to go? And he's like, sorry, forced to have it. Like that was maybe two years in on that guy. And like in all reality, like where are they going to run? Uh, the most that we have to really do in a prison, depending on how big it is. Um, so I, I love to uh, work as like the housing support where, you know, you respond to the fights, run the yard, run the chow, things like that. And the most we have to do is like, you know, run 500 feet, break up a fight. And like, that's it. So as much as you would love to have the guys that are the most physically fit and all that stuff, it's just, you know, unfortunately corrections, you don't get a lot of, you don't do a lot of walk. You do some walking, but it's not the most. You're not jumping over fences. You're not running five or six miles to chase a guy down. So the fitness standards and corrections are usually lesser to reflect that. Also, like if you have someone that fit, most of the time they want to be a cop. So like in our state, we have uh, a fitness standard for police where they have to run, let's say, a couple miles in a certain amount of time. For us, you just have to finish. And then at the six-month mark, you have to beat your time of whatever you did by one second. So Sweet. if you take, it could take you like say 25 minutes to do a, a mile run or whatever, as long as you're 24 minutes and 59 seconds, you're fine. So is there, how long is the Academy for? It's not, it's not that long. So um, it's broken up into like, you have like a month here 
Uh, you go to the prison, you work here for a bit, you go back a couple weeks, you do your firearms training, uh, you're on probation for a year. So that first year you can't transfer out of the prison. You can't bid or work a spot you want. Basically management will throw you every two months into a different shift, different post. So you kind of get a wide variety of things. Uh, during that year, you're taking the green book, which is, um, you know, it's got a book of like every single policy and you have to work with an FTO uh, to go over every single thing. They got to check mark it off. They got to submit it. You have uh, quizzes online. There's like 70, 100 quizzes you have to take. Uh, you have to have an FTO watch you take them. Uh, it's, it's annoying as hell the first six months, basically. Trying to learn how to run a housing unit while studying for these exams. Uh, you get through it. But it's not as, a, a, uh, it's not as um, crazy as the academy. The academy, they used to be able to send you out for like eight weeks. You would do the job. And then they would bring you back. And they would have to retrain you. Because the academy also taught jail stuff. And being in a prison, we never did it. I, we don't do intake or anything like that. So uh, they've decided that instead of sending people out for eight weeks, we're going to break it up over the course of six months to a year and then do that. I got you. Um, another place I wanted to go with the this, this photo, and I'm going to reference it again with the fat stuff. All right. um, I, myself, to steal my podcast again, uh, I haven't given an update on the poorly made weight loss challenge in a while. And the uh, update is I'm still fat. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I basically kind of hit a plateau. So it's not like the worst. It's not like I'm gaining weight. I've basically kind of been um, just kind of there, you know? Yeah. And are, are you a golfer? Um, I mean, I've done it a, a once in a while. I got a buddy who I'll join, but I'm not like super into it. Okay, well, you should kind of get the reference because I was thinking about this today. When I go golf, and it's, God, it's been a while. I really want to get out there and go golf. But <laughs> when I golf, you know, there's basically, you know, th- well, at least for me, like a, a scratch golfer, so to speak. Three uh-huh. phases of the game, right? Your drives, your iron game, and then you got putting. And the okay. golfer is going to be like, that's not what we call it. I don't care. That's what I call it. When I go out and play, I usually can do two out of the three okay. It's that last one that I can't get right. And so I feel yeah. like my life is kind of like that sometimes where I'm like, <laughs> God, I'm eating really well and I'm exercising, um, but I'm a fucking train wreck otherwise and I can't get shit done and everything's a shit. Or... God, I'm so fucking happy. Things are great, but man, I'm eating like a fucking pig and I'm fat and happy. So that's basically the status of the poorly made weight loss challenge. Like I hate to admit, I've, I've been kind of the same back and forth. Like in college, I was a weightlifter. Like I was never the biggest in the cardio, but hell, I love going to the gym all the time. Uh, started doing this job. It was great. You know, got too comfortable, started gaining some weight here in 2019. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym every single day. Went for about six months and then COVID hit. Uh, I lost so much weight. I was feeling good about myself. The gym shut down. Uh, 2022 ain't looking too hot. So I've been thinking about going back again. <laughs> I feel like every time like, I'm like, hey, I'm doing great. Like something happens. And I'm like, eh, shit. I'm like, I literally like 2019, that was a six months going, eh, if not every day, like three, four times a week, really eating healthy, killing it, feeling great. Global pandemic. Well, shit. Yeah. And then everybody well, gets unhealthy. You know, of all the things I thought like coming at me that were going to stop me, that's not one. So yeah, I couldn't plan for that one. We all sat at home and ate, man. That's all. That's everybody. Yeah, you just sat home and bait. I mean, granted, I worked every day. I was essential, but I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. You know, our stadium was shut down like hiking and stuff for a little while. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stay home and play video games, which I love to do, but um, I couldn't do anything else with it. And yeah, it's, it's a bummer. I think everybody at my work gained some weight. 
Well, so the other thing, so with the poorly made weight loss challenge, which I I'm still like, you know, I'm still going to be trying to be on the wagon and I got a lot of weight to lose. and I want to lose it, but I've been doing the intermittent fasting, which has really fucked my ability to drink when I record podcasts. <laughs> and I just decided tonight, I have a lot of beer. I want to try fuck it. I'm going to drink. And I don't know. We'll just say beer's not part of a fast and the rum and there Coke. It's fine. It's um, fine. It's totally fine now. But so what I'm, I'm drinking tonight, because I haven't done a, a beer review in a while, is I have the tiny bomb American Pilsner, and it's made by the Wise Acre Brewing okay. Company in the fine city of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I don't know where it came from. It was magically in my mail one day. It disappeared one day. It disappeared. Uh, I got to figure out who sent it, but it's fucking awesome. It's really good. So are you having anything to drink, buddy? Oh, man, I wish I could. So uh, about four or five years ago, I got diagnosed with celiac disease. So I that gluten will eventually kill me. So basically all drinking, like there's some drinks here and there, but uh, even ones that are labeled gluten-free, I feel like make me sick. So I've unfortunately had to dial back on the drinking. Well, now I just feel like an asshole that I'm going like, oh, I'm just going to start you know what? fucking no, drinking. The way, I, like- I, the way I say it, so I come from a big Italian family. Like my uh, my grandmother was first-generation American. Uh, her grandma or her my great grandma came off the boat i grew up with some of the best italian food you ever have in your life and i just have to tell my family like you you guys enjoy it you know like they make their own pasta from scratch like they they man they go all out and they try to do some of the gluten stuff for me which is uh appreciated but it's not the same so i tell people you know what go live it live live it for me you know enjoy it for me i appreciate it well i'm gonna drink this beer and maybe some more for you pal you know what? Pour one out for me, but I appreciate it. Pour one out for the homies. There you go. So, okay. So back to that fat picture. The other thing, and I, I briefly touched on it a little bit, was this state had like crazy fucking staffing shortages, which to me, I was like, why the <laughs> fuck would you want to work in a jail? Are yeah. you guys facing the same type of stuff? Oh, yes. So during COVID, well, so we, corrections is always, is always hurting. You know, luckily I'm in a state that pays more. Um, you know, I was never a very big union guy until I took the job and then looking at the other states that don't have unions and how much money our benefits, how good they are versus the other states. Yeah. Um, we make some pretty good money and it brings people in during COVID. We pretty much didn't hire. So we'll always, we're always going to lose people. We always have a turnover rate. Let's say we have about 350 security officers that work at a prison. We're always maybe about 30, 40 short, you know, nothing too crazy, but during 2020, we hired six people. And we had an abnormal number of people that had to, uh, that retired early. Uh, 2021 wasn't too much better. So we're, we're down like 100, 125, something like that. And when you're at 300 people, it didn't sound like a lot, but I was mandatory twice this weekend. So I got off 145 and they're like, hey, you're stuck. I'm like, oh, that's great. Saturday, I'm okay. Sunday, I'm going to make it through. No, we went through everybody again. You're stuck. I'm like, holy shit, really? It's pretty rough. Uh, we're trying to start rehiring, but we've realized that coming out of the pandemic, even like the local Amazon security is paying pretty much the same starting as we as currently. Like the Amazon recruiter at the data center out here is actively headhunting our staff. And we've lost four so far. Granted, they don't top out as well as we do. They don't have as much benefits, but with the amount of overtime we've been working lately, they don't care. And our state doesn't want to do any hiring bonuses. They don't want to raise the pay. Uh, so to top out in our state, it's 10 years. So you'll start out at the 43,000, whatever it is, and you'll top out at the 75, 80,000. But it takes you 10 years. You know, some counties like uh, in our state are roughly our same pay scale. 
It takes them four years. Uh, the Amazon Center, you know, they maybe don't top out at the 80, but they top out at, you know, 69 or 70. And for some people, that's good enough. You know, and they get to see their families and not get mandated all the time. So we're having we're having some trouble right now. And then states that are making way less than us. Like I think uh, West Virginia, I was reading an article here a couple of years ago. They had to call in the National Guard uh, to come work because they couldn't get enough staff. Yeah, when you pay people 12 bucks an hour and you mandate them every day, they're not going to show up. Like we're not that bad yet. But they there were some emails going around like, hey, are we going to call in the National Guard to come help us? So we're, we're, we're having a little rough one. Yeah, that sounds pretty shitty, man. And it's it's one of those things where your safety is at risk. Yeah. If there's not enough of you guys to, you know, watch everybody. That's- yeah, well, we're graveyard. And so where I'm working right now, I work in the dining room. So I'll come in early uh, before the day shift staff come in. And I walk in and say, hey, by the way, this post is gone. We had a med trip. This post is gone. We had to pull them. Hey, this guy went home sick. Uh, you're going to run both dining rooms until staff come in an hour later. What the fuck? <laughs> Hey, we're going to have one of the food service people uh, watch the dining room over there. Hey, uh, we're going to have to send you on a med trip. So we're going to shut down the dining room for a little while uh, and serve sack lunches on the unit. Um, I mean, I, I may be painting it a little bleaker than it is, but that does happen every couple of weeks. You know, we're just, we're hurting on folks. And, you know, it seems like the state is doing a decent job starting to recruit. Like there's a billboard in my town. Oh shit. There's a billboard. That's great. What else are they doing? Oh, we're doing radio ads. Okay, that's cool. You know, we put a banner on a Facebook. That's great. What about like pay raises? What about uh, hiring bonuses that other states and other companies are doing? That's nah, fine. You know, our benefit package is great. And maybe it is. But when you're 21 and like Amazon's like, hey, we're going to start about the same wage. Where are you going to go? Work in a prison where you might get stabbed or hot water thrown on you or whatever. Or go like sit in a little booth and like check IDs all day. So we're having some trouble right now drawing new people in. And I think it's hurting. I feel like corrections used to be that job. This is my perception that, Uh man, I don't want to work at a jail, but fuck, they pay really good. I'm going to do it. Where now that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, um, so the prison I'm in uh, came to town in the 70s. And it was actually a top employer for a long time because it was just the highest paid thing out here. So everybody love to be in the prison i'm doing a podcast right now let me get back to you um everyone loved to be, uh, love to work here is your mom and, making you hot pockets right now uh no my sister-in-law walked in i don't know why she's she must be here and i'm hearing a little ones yelling in the background so they must be playing anyway um uh, lost my train of thought anyway people wanted to work here but the longer we've gotten into it or the the farther things have gone more employers have moved into town They've been raising their pay and we're just not matching it. But I feel like in the big cities, yeah, there's just so much other things to do. No one, you know, no one grows up and like, hey, I want to work in a prison. That's just, that's just not a thing. You know, everyone wants to grow up. They want to be a cop. They want to be a firefighter. They want to be in the military. They want to be a freaking YouTuber now. You know, a TikTok star. You don't want to work in a prison. So <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought when she walked in. But yeah, no, that's okay, man. It's just hot, not like a top distract me too, And you have to have I, I feel like higher pay benefit package something to bring people in and we just don't have that right now or at least the state doesn't want to pay for it well and and i was going to ask you because you were you said you wanted to be a cop is that still an aspiration you have or are you pretty happy doing no it? god no oh my god 2020 killed it 
there was a part of me that always wanted to be a cop and there's like there's still part of me down there that would that would like to but i feel so bad for the folks like so the prison is not like the dark dangerous place that people think it is where inmates are getting beaten 24 7 at least at our facility we have a camera in literally every single mop closet like there is no there is really we have like a couple like two four five thousand cameras at our facility there's really no place to hide to really do that and also god like that uh the the culture that we won't turn anybody in dude we turn people in for the pettiest shit out there like there is no real silence culture and that was a place that i was going to go a little bit is i feel like maybe there's this stigma out there that there's there's guys that are like oh well you know you're only in corrections because you can't be a cop where i don't think that's necessarily true what's your thought on that so i mean like i feel like i could and oh man i think a lot of people look down on so for years like like truly like corrections really was it was it wasn't really corrections it was just prison uh you sat around you had a club you you beat the shit out of some people like it wasn't there wasn't a lot of work into it. You were, you were security, but modern facilities, uh, at least in my, my prison system, there is a lot more uh, us going out and finding the issue and us trying to stop the issue instead of just letting the issue happen. You know, if we have two gangs that are having issues. We're pulling leaders aside. We're trying to figure out what's going on. We're actively investigating, investigating these things. We're just not sit around oh hey there's a fight i mean sure we do that too you know just like if cops on the street you sit outside a bank oh he sees a bank robber he's doing it but we're going out and actually trying to find you know the drugs trying to find these issues um and i feel like just people don't see that anymore they think we're walking around like i had like i said before i i thought it was just catwalks walking around with shotguns breaking up fights but there's a lot more proactive why policing uh, you know, the best way to look at a prison is, you know, the MA population is the regular citizens of a town. The prison's a big town. You are the cops in the town, segregation's the jail. And you're having to go out and just be proactive and trying to stop fires from happening. And honestly, it, it's a lot more work on our end, but it makes for a safer facility. So I, even though I brought up before, like we had roughly like 400 fights, you know, <laughs> maybe half of those even more were slap fests. Like we have like brutal beatdowns, but it's not like every day. People aren't getting shanked in the shower. You know, in the seven years I've been there, we've had one actual stabbing and the rest have been just like, guy, like we had a guy, we had a guy, he took out, so we give him razors to be able to, you know, shave with and stuff like that. He broke the housing on the razor. He took the razor blade and he put it in his finger and he cut a guy, gave him like a one inch cut on the cheek. And then he had pressed his thumb into the razor blade, into his finger, and cut his almost cut his own finger off, almost severed it off. And we had to send him out to go get stitches to reattach his finger. So, I, you know, being more proactive, like, it's a lot more mentally draining. It, it costs more to train the staff. But our prison systems are just, it's genuinely safer. Okay. And I think it's, it's, it's worth it. And a lot of people just don't see that. Because I think we shoot ourselves in the foot. We, you know, I like to Google our state corrections a lot and just kind of see the news that's out there. And it's all, all negative because we're not bringing in cameras. We're not having people walk around and saying like, hey, this is what it's like. No, we're just, you know, releasing an article about, hey, this guy died of an overdose in the prison. Hey, this, ha- you know, bad thing happened. This bad thing happened. No one's actually showing what it's like. You know, a cop, you can have a camera crew follow him and see the more day to day. So corrections is really secretive 
And I think it shoots ourselves in the foot. I'm not saying we need to show every little thing that we do, but I feel like there's definitely something we could do to like, okay. Um, I started the year. Uh, did you ever see, there was that TV show on uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the A&E or something. It was called rookie year. It was following these correction officers when they started in Arizona. It sounds familiar. I, I, I don't watch TV, but I think I've seen some clips. It started like 2015 or something like that. I only really watched the first season and it, and it was a lot more scripted than I, I think it was. Like you had a lieutenant had his hands in his pocket and there's some inmate in his face, like pointing, touching his nose, like I'm going to fuck you up and shit. But for the most part, it, they actually attempted to follow a crew, like new officers going through the prison. And while, like I said, some of it's probably up for dramatic effect, but at least they gave, they, they attempted to really show what it was like inside the prison. And I'm not saying we need to do that, but it would be nice to be able to, to show the public what we really do on a day-to-day basis. I think that would definitely, like I talked to a guy out of cutting himself up here about six months ago. And it's like, you're never going to hear about that story. I'm not, I'm not looking to, you have my name plastered in lights and stuff like that, but it's like, there's a lot more of us being proactive uh, than people well, think there is. I, I want to say John Doe, thank you for your service. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. Brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description back to the podcast. I did want to say something <laughs> and you, you were talking about, um, you know, like the stigmas and you, you know, people don't understand what you guys actually do. Yeah. I frequently will get messages where people are like, do some corrections memes. <laughs> I was not, a I think I was probably officer. a couple of those for a while. There. No, I don't think you ever, I don't think you were that guy. Um, Maybe but, I, I, I've been following you, I think, since like two or three months after you started the page. Pretty close. I remember oh, yeah, you, I maybe you, posted one or two, but not crazy amount. I don't I don't know anything about corrections. Right. And like, you know, no, I, I had the, the the other and Grant, this is going to come out in like, I think, two and a half weeks or whatever. But yeah. I posted the one the other day about, you know, like the ogres getting married. And I was like, oh, correction officer. <laughs> oh, you like, had, you've had a couple great ones about Vicky White recently. Uh, yeah, that were just fantastic. Oh, well, we're going to say we're going to that's going to be the grand finale. We'll talk. About oh, that. my God. Not to put you on. Obviously, since you work there and you know everything about it, but I, I would be curious. Yeah. Input on you know, jail on the other side of the state. I can only comment on some things <laughs> or the other side of the country state. What am I saying? Yeah, I know. I'm not from Georgia or Tennessee or wherever. It's from. Well, and I also got told if I use a southern voice. For somebody that's stupid, that's not very nice. So that was another thing that happened today. <laughs> joke, calm down. Hey, you know what? It's a joke, calm down. It is ain't a dick. Don't take it too hard. You know, that's right. Um, well, all right. So this is kind of a dumb question and a vague what question. But, well, no, you know what? I'm going to change what I was going to say. Oh, shit. That's poorly made. It is poorly made. All right. And then I'll ask my dumb, vague question. Getting the content but that the people want. The content that people want is really shit. I mean, dude, you're following <laughs> up like butt plugs and all kinds of stuff. I okay, so know. we sold Jolly Ranchers uh, at the women's prison, uh, and the the female inmates had melted the Jolly Rancher into a dildo, and they were using them as butt plugs when they walked around the units, and then they had to get rid of the Jolly Ranchers. What? 
Holy shit. I'm sorry. Go on. I, that, that was like the only time I felt like I could include that story. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's focus here. That's really awful. Um, uh, on a police department, there's, you know, you have the officers, but then you have like a specialty unit, you have detectives, you have sergeants, you have SWAT, you have traffic, you have all this or that. What are some of the different roles within a corrections facility within our prison system we have the the minimums the medium the the max uh the high security prisons so every prison is going to be a little different especially considering how old some of them are and how small but for the facility i work at you start at the bottom you have the correction officer that is the rank and file that is working the housing units the dining rooms the the general spot uh you work your way up you have a corporal position uh, they might have control over a couple of housing units, walk back and forth. Uh, we might have a property corporal that deals just with inmate property issues. Uh, go up to sergeants. They're running housing. They're, they're running like sides, like an east side or a west side or a corridor one or corridor two. And they have an X number of housing units, whatever. A lieutenant that kind of controls all that. And then a captain that runs the entire facility itself. So like at our facility, the lieutenant, uh, writes the majority of like, let's say there's a fight where there's a use of force where sprays involved. Uh, they have to write the paperwork for that. They also take all the call-ins and have to like write the boards up. The captains are the ones that, you know, do every, but everything from the, you know, the count dealing with the public, all that jazz. Uh, within that you have even more, we do have a SWAT. So it used to be a Turk team. Now it's a SWAT team. Uh, we're going with the, uh, Arizona has a, uh, a system that we're following, uh, and we're just trying to update all our language. Uh, we have our FTOs. We have uh, SIU, which is our like uh, drugs investigation group. We have our STM. So our state doesn't have gangs. Gangs are not a thing in our prison systems. They don't exist. What we have are security threat groups. <laughs> let, let's let that sink in. So instead of just using a short word, now we have an acronym for it. Uh, but anyway, these, I'm doing air quotes here, security threat groups, uh, those are the gangs that uh, the SEM lieutenant, they're going to try and get to know all the big players and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's so much like up and, up and down, you have like all the food service workers. Uh, so in our state, we don't like hire out like Sodexo or someone. We have our own state workers that serve the food. We have our nurses, you know, nurse managers. Uh, we have our segregation staff. Uh, our segregation has a, you know, about, let's say 10 or so officers. Then we also have a lieutenant that kind of runs the segregation in there. So there's, there's a pretty good variety of, oh, hospital watch people that go out. We have transport. They're the one transporting inmates between the different facilities, between the county jails. So there's a lot of moving parts. So there's a lot of variety where like maybe you get burnt out doing something else you could transfer to another unit. Exactly. So every prison in uh, our state is different. Some have it where uh, you bid. So it goes by seniority. Uh, you'll bid. So like the top person bids this shift with these days off, but their prison doesn't let them choose where they're going. They show up just on the shift with their days off and the lieutenant will tell them where to go. Uh, some people um, will apply for more specialty positions and they'll go into some prison systems have days off and shift assigned to a post. So if you bid that post, that's what that's the only thing you work for those five days a week uh, for, say, six months or a year. So it's uh, a little different with every prison you go to. Kinda... Now, do, you, do you guys do the pod thing where like you have 
inmates in a pod and then there's usually like a corrections officer per pod yeah so um our facility we have cells and dorms um so the officer is dead in the center of that no protection or anything you gotta you know you're in a you got you got a desk uh they actually they didn't have desks before on the the back wall they used to have a slanted shelf that you would have to write everything on you had to turn your back to the inmates that was fun uh, but we have desks now. <laughs> we we sit in the center, and some of the dorm units um, either you have one large room with say 107 bunks. Uh, you look your, or you're sitting in like a T, and you're in the center of that T. You look left and right. Those are the uh, the dorms, and then you uh, in front of you you have like the day room and things like that. Yeah, it's uh, you are in the center of it. We're not hiding behind a we're not hiding behind a a, a door that can shut. We're not hiding um in a room and i don't mean hide and, and that's a bad way to look at it but just as uh we do it just a little different uh the way we like to think of it is that we run the unit like we have a more active uh engagement with our unit we have to do a tier checks every x number of times the way the unit is set up that the inmates always have to cross our path so we always are talking to people and seeing them like there are some states where have you ever seen the first guardians of the galaxy uh, yeah. they have that prison scene yeah. where you have the cells all around and then you have the tower in the center so yeah. that's like some states where that's what it is the officers are in the center they're on the they're on the the catwalks they're looking around and that's not like a bad way to you know do things it's just you know different from what we do you know, you don't go on the floor unless there's a fight you're looking for a guy or something but we are unfortunately on the floor all the time and all we have is oc spray so we don't have a nightstick you know, a stun gun, taser, any of that kind of stuff. We have a can of OC spray uh, and your fists. And that's about it. Now, in, so in, that, we, in the sorry, dorms, no. how many guys are you watching at a time? So depending on the units, it's from 72 to 100, about 120. So you're by yourself with 100 people that are yeah. in prison. Yeah. So uh, the higher, uh, the ones that are the higher and those are our incentives. So it's a little bit nicer. Uh, they're actually um, starting to cut uh, during COVID. Uh, we've actually lost a bunch of inmates because the, the governor kicked a lot out uh, for reasons, whether that's good or bad. I'm not going to say because I don't rather not get fired. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, they're finally going to cut some dorms. So we're finally going to get some dorms that have gone from, say, 85 to in the 60 range. So it's going to help a little bit. But that's kind of what you're looking at. So the, um, and we're a medium facility. So our inmates range from murderers, rapists, ped- a, lot, a lot of pedophiles, so many pedophiles and sex crimes. So we have a wide gambit that you're rubbing shoulders with on a daily basis. Now, if you had to go into somebody's dorm because you were looking for something, you wouldn't go alone, would you? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to correction. So we're not walking around with a partner. Uh, maybe there's some prisons that are doing that. So like if you're part of the housing support team, uh, let's say there's like 10 of you and a Sarge. Uh, they might, if you're going to go hook a guy up, they'll send you with two. But if you're just like, hey, I'm going to go do a cell search for this guy. Like you can totally, if no one's doing anything, uh, yeah, but you want to go up with me? Yeah, we'll go search the bunk. But uh, a lot of the time it's just kind of you and your own. That seems like a terrible idea. And, I, and I'm just- It does seem like a terrible idea. I, I'm just trying to like work my my brain through this because- Obviously, in theory, these folks shouldn't be armed. Obviously, that doesn't mean they're not dangerous. But then 
there's not like an incentive for them to beat you up because if they beat you up, they're going to get more time. So, so the state we are in for good or bad, uh, it's got, it's got its counterpoints. Uh, we give them a lot of things. So they have access to buy themselves a TV. Uh, they can buy Nintendo switches uh, with the Wi-Fi uh, card removed out of them. Uh, they're able to get MP3 players. Uh, there's a lot of programs that can set them up for the outside. We have HVAC, mechanical, electrical programs. Uh, we have a beekeeping program. Uh, we have a lot of things that people don't want to lose. And we have staff assaults. Uh, we just had one uh, about a month ago. But it's a lot rarer in our system. Like I was assaulted two months in uh, to working. Guy threw a pitcher of boiling water on me. Gave me second degree burns on my arms, a uh, little on my face. And then got me in headlock. That was fun. But it's not common not to say it doesn't happen people get shit bombed and sag and things like that but a lot of people on our system have stuff to lose and uh, people whenever i tell the story on that people rabble rabble these murders rapists psychos they shouldn't be getting anything we should be locking them up and you know keeping them engaged in something you know they're sitting on a unit they're fucking playing pokemon rcs in the corner you know that guy's not fucking around he's not getting in somebody's face he's not assaulting people TVs and games, like they really are great babysitters. And then our state requires people to be able to get their GED. Uh, People require that they have some kind of programming. So they have to have a jobs or church or something. And when you give people something to lose, they don't want to lose it. I have to say, you know, people still do it. Like it happens. It's just our state, it doesn't happen as much. And I'm thankful for that. Like I said, it, it sucks when you see a guy sitting there you know playing games you're just like that dude raped a kid and ruined his life forever but also that person for the 20 years they're here isn't fucking they're not fighting they're not tattooing you know they're not causing an issue and i for me that's a good trade-off the one having to be on the housing unit i think i think that's a good trade-off well but let me other people this. have other views on that let's dive into that a little bit because my understanding is is sometimes in the uh, prison system, if folks find out that their cellmate or somebody in their unit is a pedo, they're probably going to get their ass beat. Is that true or no? A lot more. So though our, you know, I don't know about uh, every prison in my state or even the area. I would say probably half our people are sex crimes. It's a lot. It's a lot of people have sex crimes from pedophile, rape, even just your serial masturbator peeping Tom, you know? So well, I, I mean, a I'm lot a serial of those mas- folks, masturbator. I just do it in my house, you know? Exactly. You know, yeah. do it in your house, in your bathtub, wherever, where no one's watching, you know, that's fine. You know, when you're doing it at a park. Yeah. That's a, that's you know, a little see how you get your ass kicked by some dads out there. You should but, get um, your ass kicked by some dads out so there. So it, it, it definitely does happen. Um, you know, I like to think our prison system has less intimidation and less of that stuff than others. I hear that from the inmates themselves, but depending on the units you're in and the part of the facility you're in, like we have other parts of facilities, like one of our corridors uh, is known for just having better, uh, higher number of sex offenders and that the gang members aren't able to extort as much because they are outnumbered. And then we have other parts where they like to think they run the show over there. So those guys get beat more, but also again, even those guys, have more incentives that they don't want to lose. Like our prison actually has a high number of dropouts 
because, hey, who would have thought that the guy that never even finished high school uh, didn't know anything else but drugs, you put him in an electrical program. Now he doesn't want to lose that because when he gets out, he has a good job. Uh, like we're not perfect by any means, but giving those incentives to some of those people, like I watched a guy in the six years he's been there. I, so I've been there for seven. He came in about a year in, go from one of the worst gangbangers I've ever seen in say constantly has maybe 70 to a hundred grand in fines for uh, like medical costs for sending people to the hospital. Now the dude's <laughs> an electrician and like upstanding, like a decent dude. I, we, when I say decent, that's for our standard for our facility when you deal with people every day. But it's just, you know, people have a change. Like the amount of people that come in that, I mean, okay, there's always going to be that story of this guy got out of poverty. This guy had a meth-filled mom. He was able to make it. Dude, when you're given that stuff as a kid, when your parents don't give a shit about you, you're not going to make it. Sure, there's going to be those stories about those people making it, but for the most part, you're fucked. And not all of them, but I'd say about... 60 plus percent of the folks at our, our facility um, are probably not going to come back. Our, uh, and our citizen rates show that, you know, granted they fuck with the numbers a bit, but um, you know, you start showing people a different path, you know, it's up to them to choose whether to do it, but I like to think it helps. Yeah. I, that's one of those things that I've, I've kind of, I work through in my head and I, I kind of go back and forth on what exactly I think about it because Half of me is like, all right, well, we don't want these folks to fucking reoffend. So, and that was actually one of the questions I have for you down the line as far as, you know, is there any rehabilitation, which you, you kind of answered, but yeah, I mean, it's all comes down to money, right? You know, we put a ton of money into that stuff, but there's, there's never enough, you know, for a really good drug rehabilitation program, it's one officer, one counselor, and you got a unit of maybe 15 guys. And then it's very intensive managing those people. So we have a really good program that's maybe got a failure rate of like 5% or something like that. 5% of those guys, 10% come back. I get super low, but it's incredibly resource intensive to be able to do that. And when you have a prison system of, you know, I'm going to throw a number out there, 30,000 people or whatever, um, you can't really have not one officer and one counselor per each 15 of those guys. So you know, they try to do as much programs as they can, but like half our budget goes to medical costs. Like people don't realize that the amount of money we spend for fixing up these guys' fights, cancer, you know, cancer treatments, uh, the hep C pill that came out a while back, you know, how expensive that stuff is. So like people think, oh, you're just, you're overpaid and that's where all the budget's going. No, like half the budget goes to medical costs and different things associated to that. So we only have the other half to work with from everything from, you know, paying our salaries to, you know, replacing light bulbs. And then, you know, a portion of that is the programs. So it's, uh, it's rough trying, you know, I don't, you know, everyone can bitch and complain in the office about, you know, wish we had money for this and that, but like they, I think they do a pretty decent job of with, with what we have, the resources we have, because there's never enough money, unfortunately. Well, well, and, and so to kind of go back to the other thing I was saying is, so, you know, half of me is like, well, we need to, we need to make these guys better. So they come back because they are going to, most of them are going to get out at some point. Let's, you know, give them a chance. But then the other half of me is like, these guys are fucking criminals. Jail shouldn't be oh, man, a good right. time. So it's like this, this like internal battle I have with myself. I mean, jail is not a good time though. Right. Even if you have these programs. Like you're still, you know, 
you're waking up, you know, you wake up, all the lights turn on the unit at 6 a.m. You're only going to chow three, you know, three times a day. You have to go on our schedule. We only go to yard on our schedule. You know, like you leave the unit on our schedule. You know, it's, you know, even though they're, they have a TV, you know, they're playing a Nintendo Switch. Uh, they're, they're still very much in prison. They all know it. Like, the, you can do things to, like, escape. But, uh, like, I'm with you. When I came in and I'm seeing, like, there are some truly horrific people I've met. And, like, reading up on their crimes and like, just how horrific, you know, torturing children. You know, I'm trying to, there's a guy I want to share, but it would tell, tip off of where I'm at. But uh, got 700 years for uh, 750 maybe 800 anyway he got a lot of time for what he did to multiple kids like a kitty sex dungeon and it's like i just want that guy to burn i want that guy to hurt and it's like i can't like while i'm at the facility and i see the guy every single day i'm going to talk to him every single day i can't sit there and just be mad and hatred for 25 years until i'm out and working with this guy because i'm gonna see this guy for the rest of his life so you have to have like a working relationship with these people and you have to treat them how they're acting at the facility you know if you had a shithead on the outside but he's good at the facility you, you can't just treat him as a shithead you know if he's a shithead the facility you know then you know i'm not going to go beat the guy but i'm not going to like go out of my way to help him either until he does himself like it really is a like i came in here like man i i wish this guy would fucking get the death penalty and you you just can't live with that you can't if you come in with that much, you're going to burn out real quick. Yeah, I, I got to be honest, man. Like what you described and seeing that guy, I don't think me personally, I don't think I could handle that. That's one of the reasons I, don't I like him. when I first started, I looked up every single person on my unit. I looked at the crime. I wouldn't know everything about these guys. Now I don't look. I, I just, you know, every once in a while, we're going to hide media profile case. And I'll know he's come to prison. Like I'm not going to look. I'll look and see what his crimes have been in prison like if he's gotten to fights if he's had drugs or whatever and things like that but you just you pretty much have to not look at what these people do anymore and just treat them ha how they are there you know the first time you know like i've shaken three inmates hands uh first one was out of instinct when i first started i'm like fuck ah, i ain't gonna do that again uh i had a guy like flat out lie to me about something to get to get out of trouble you know, not, not something, something small, but it wasn't crazy. And then a week later, he came up to me like, hey, man, I uh, just want you to know I'm feeling real bad about that. You know, you've been, you know, great. I've never had an issue with you. And, you know, I, I want to know I, I lied to you and I'm sorry. And I shook his hand. I'm like, okay, that, that was, you know, the guy who owned up to it. It wasn't even something I was thinking about anymore, but like, you know, he could obviously, he obviously felt bad. I'm like, you know what? Okay. That's like one of the few times that, and I shook a guy's hand as he was leaving. But um, you have to treat them how they are at the facility um, you're not you're not their friends you're not their you know you're not their parents but you are you're kind of the it's 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 weird it's like like i said you're like a different you you wear a lot of different hats but you you empathize you have to empathize with these people you don't sympathize and that's just kind of how you have to roll there you well, can't you just can't walk in being hatred and like i hate this guy this is what he did blah 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 i'm gonna make his life miserable you know, hey, were you pretty good today? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm not going to give you shit. You know, they're, they're living their lives. They're living, you know, think of prison as they're in a fucking condo and you're the fucking manager. And as long as they're doing okay, you're no reason to fucking evict them or do anything bad to them. Well, I mean, it's not your role to. Yeah. 
we're not the punishment. punishment. We are so we are as, as the officers, not the punishment. The being in the facility, the taking away the freedoms, taking away the rights, that is the punishment. We are there to enforce the punishment, as in, you know, making sure that, you know, they're staying at the facility, making sure they're following all the rules. But I'm not there to like dole out fucking corporal punishment, you know, every time this guy goes out of place. You know, that you, that's just not what we do. Now, here's a question that I have that I want to know if it's a real thing. Uh, um, the conjugal visits, is that an actual thing? <laughs> Our state, no. Um, so I, I've, and this is me looking it up just very briefly. I've heard some states out there do that or used to do that, but our state, no. Uh, we have a visiting room. You're allowed to hold somebody's hand. You're allowed to have a three-second kiss, and they are on that for three seconds. Like, the officer will watch these people make out for three seconds. Like, hey, time's up. Uh, <laughs> and um, that that's pretty much it. Granted, we caught a person bringing in drugs uh, when they were kissing uh, a fucking marijuana thing came out of their mouth. They did a really bad job of it. But um, <laughs> no, most of the drugs are coming in from staff. It's not from the visitors, but they do come in from the visitors. Um, now, oh, hold on. Now, uh, I got like a bunch of questions based off of that. <laughs> I wanted to step real quick on the, the, the visit thing. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Like the, the conjugal visit, like, oh, you're in jail, but that's you know, fucking can crazy. Fuck. That's you want to be the orderly that cleans that? Hey, bud, I'm going to pay you 70 bucks a month to go clean semen off a wall. It's <laughs> you know, like a terrible job. Well, and then, uh, I mean, I got to be honest. I'm kind of surprised they even get to hold hands and kiss. I, I would, to me, so, they're right, like, they're, so they sit at the table. Uh, the tables, you know, I, I don't know exactly. I say four foot table or whatever. So you have to lean a little bit and you can hold hands. But that's about it. You can't like go around the table because I mean we've seen people get jerked off. We've seen people <laughs> like footsie their dicks, a uh, person footsie their vagina. I mean, like you you see everything. That's why you try you have people separate across. You can have up to like four, three people at a visit, and like each person's on one side of a table. So like there's a lot of rules for visitation when they come in. They can't dress, like, they can't dress slutty. Uh, we have a standard basically. The the standard is uh, Sunday church. Uh, we will give people bright green scrubs, pants and shirt to cover up if uh, the clothing they come in is like too revealing and stuff like that. But visiting for the most part, you don't have too much issue. I, you do have stuff every once in a while, but it's not most people. Ex- we've never had a fight in the visiting room um, because, you know, that's just the one area people don't fuck with. You don't fuck with the family. You don't fuck with how often you know, can a person you, with their kids. How often can you get a visitor? Um, so with COVID at the current moment, you have to schedule online. You only have one visit a week, uh, before someone could show up almost every day if they wanted to and have a visit, uh, two hours here. Uh, fuck, I haven't worked visiting in a while. It's either two or three hour session in the morning, two or three hour session in the afternoon. Fuck and that. that's it. Fuck that. They're in jail. Fuck them. So I, I just be like, fuck that. The family contact is one of the key things to like rehabilitation so says the department and i don't know like you know if you're seeing your kid and stuff like that like it's it's probably not a bad thing to show people what they're missing like hey i'm not but seeing if they're my there every day if they're there every day they're not really missing them yeah i mean you're you're right and i mean granted we're in a smaller town and only a few people really have that privilege of having their family live in town most people they have to travel to get out here but you do have those people that like have moved out here to like uh to see their people every day and stuff so i you know you it's like you you're seeing the apple you're hungry you see the apple you can only touch it you can't eat it kind of thing 
fair enough. Yeah, I would say it. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Um, oh shit, we were going to talk about footsies, but I think that's <laughs> probably self-explanatory. But you said something that I, I wanted to key on a little bit. Uh-huh. You said most of the issues is staff bringing it in. Now, is that officers or is that like you know the food service folks or? Well, it's it's outside? a mix. Like it's not as rampant as people think it is. Like. You know, I, you see everything from like, you know, the inmate hands the officer 20 bucks and he looks the other way and they go fight in the shower. I mean, it happens. You know, look at the Vicky White thing. It's, you know, we don't know enough about her. We don't know a lot of stuff, but I'm willing to bet it was a lonely old lady that got sweet talked. And when oh, yeah. you are on a unit, so our, our housing units, this is the one thing I hate. The state doesn't want to pay to double up the housing units. So when you're on a unit for eight hours, even if you come in fresh, you know, fresh, you shine, you're ready to go. You know how to do it. You get to know these people for a while. You get to talk to these people. You know, some of these people are here for a long time and you get bored. You know, you only could run so many phone signups. You only can tell people to shut the hell up in the TV room so much. Uh, you get a lot of repetition and sometimes you get to bullshitting with people. And I think that's how people get compromised. You know, Vicki White, you know, it, it didn't say she was married. So I'm, I'm going to bet she was just lonely. And you had a guy that over the course of years, I think they said they had like a two something year every single day, just slowly talking to her. It's going to get you like one thing I like about our facility is you have to. So uh, you work a post for a certain amount of time and then they will move you and you cannot work that post again, unless you like work a trade or some overtime, but you don't work that post again for three years. They force you to rotate. And so you don't get too comfortable at a spot. And I think that's kind of the way to go. Granted, that doesn't solve all the issues. But I think people get comfortable in their location and sometimes they they're sitting there bullshitting and they're like, Hey, I just got divorced slip. Hey, I really like fishing. Oh, I like fishing too. You sit there and bullshit with the guys and some people unfortunately develop friendships. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. You can't be friends. There are 30,000 people or whatever in our state. You can fuck, you can friend anybody else in the entire world, the seven other billion people, just not these 30,000 people. And considering you see those people sometimes more than your family, I see how people have been compromised. Well, let's talk about the compromise. Let's talk about the compromise thing. And we'll kind of, well, I guess we won't wait for Vicky White because it's, we're we're here now. (laughs) We're bringing it up. We're bringing it up now. So the compromise thing, let me ask you a few questions. So where you're at, do you have female officers with male inmates? Yeah. So our facility I don't have rough exact numbers for you, but I would say probably about 30% of our employees combined across security, food service and everything uh, are about female. Okay. So do you guys have women there too, as far as inmates or just? No. So our facility is only male. Okay. Cause I guess it would make sense to me that you would have, you know, female guards in a female facility and male guards in a male facility, but I guess it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately you can't. So like only, so our policies, like, let's say we have, unless there's a bona fide emergency, riot, murder, something, only a male can strip a male, only a female can strip a female. So that's why you have to have a mix at a facility. So like even our female prison, it's probably you know, 50, 60% male still, you know, also it, you know, not a lot of women want to apply. Or, you know, they do. I mean, we have, we have a lot of kick-ass women, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the amount of people that want to work in a prison is already low, but it skews towards the male. Like, we got a lot of people, you know, you know a lot of military folks, for example. Um, okay. So, I guess 
as far as compromise go now let, before we get to the vicky white thing let's say like a heterosexual dude can yeah. they be quote unquote compromised by some of these folks not even just like let's say you're just you you make a friend like well, and that's what i'm talking and about that's not necessarily the, the, the saying the like shitty, compromise like they're gonna yeah. blow each other i mean compromise like yeah they're it's, gonna it's happened people- you know i'm not gonna uh whew, i'm not gonna get any specifics about like we've had yo half a dozen staff in the seven years i've been there uh confirmed you know everything low from we had one lady when she came to our prison you know after working there for six months uh she got an old boyfriend from high school uh came in she didn't report it right away so if we know anybody in the prison whether we just met them or they're your uncle or whatever you have to put in a staff conflict form to say the relationship and then the prison will decide oh hey this conflict seems crazy either okay you know you just knew the guy in high school you weren't really friends whatever you can you can work with him too oh he's family or well you've had a relationship we have to move him to another facility so like if you have like your dad you know as an inmate they're not going to have you work they're not going to have him there they will move him somewhere else they're not going to put you in that position but uh she had a, a high school boyfriend and she didn't report it at first. She thought, oh, it's, it's not an issue. I don't need to do that. And then he sweet-talked her. And from my understanding, she never brought drugs in, but she was in the planning phase of bringing stuff in. And two years later, I mean, they got married. Uh, he's not, she's not allowed to come visit because she was a former staff, but you're able to get married through the mail and a couple other things anyway so they talk in letters every day and oh my god read the letters and say like, oh it's rough and we've had you know officers fucking or we've had it's like we've had several over the years female officers you know fucking mates you know they have nothing to lose at the end of the day it's custodial rape uh granted i've never seen the institution prosecute for a female officer doing it male male staff fuck a female inmate the female prison that 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 they go to trial for that and they damn well should um because those those people are traitors but uh unfortunately i've never seen uh the women officers get uh for the same thing and that's that's always a bummer because you know the other thing about corrections you might not like everybody and there's some people i fucking hate but at the end of the day your family you know when there's an assault when there's a fight um i mean you know, maybe family is not the right word and you it's a weird like you on the outside i may never fucking talk to you but while you're inside uh if i'm in a fight you you better come save my ass because I'm gonna come save your ass if something happens. Like you have to have that's the same way back. out on the road as a cop. Yeah. yeah, like it's not the like everybody come to my house for you know barbecue Sunday kind of kind of family that like the you know the admin tries to to say that we are you know, DOC is a family. Um, but it it is a it is a kinship, and when somebody does that, it really does hurt because you know it makes all of us look bad. Uh, when they bring in drugs, it can be dangerous. You know, we have people, um, right now our biggest issue is probably marijuana and meth. We had a, a while there where they had spice coming in and guys were going fucking psycho off this stuff. Uh, it must've been a bad batch. I don't exactly know how spice and K2 is made, but people were getting fighty. They were beating the shit Dude, out of spice other inmates. fucking sucks. I hate when yeah. people are fucked up on that. Like I, so we had, I'm, I'm leaving a unit. It's like, so I got off at 11. Uh, it's like 1050 and over the radio we have uh, we hear man down uh, this unit we have an inmate down this unit need a response to um, and over the intercom or over the radio you can hear this guy 
bloody murder just screaming at the top of his lungs. And we don't know what the fuck's going on. Holy shit, you hear that? We run. It's on the other side of the facility, but it's late at night, so everyone's kind of leaving. So we run over there to get there. And this guy is, like, peeling his skin off with his fingernails on his face. He's calling his face out. Uh, not his eyes, but, like, his cheeks and stuff. Because uh, he is flipping out. Officer goes in to try to get him. He gets punched. You know, the guy just starts flipping out, attacking anybody around him. And, you know, they never did figure out how the spice got in. But, like, that officer, like, you know, he fucking got his, uh, he had a tear in his uh, jaw muscle. And it's like, you know, if someone brought stuff in and that officer got hurt, or if I got assaulted because someone was doing that, holy shit, like, I'd be, you know, that's betrayal. Like, that, I hate that. You know, you know, with, with a large facility, there's always going to be dirty people, even a small one to an extent, but there's always going to be that one guy, those two guys or whatever, they're doing something small scale, large scale. There's no way, even with the best background check in the world that you're going to be able to figure it out. And that's, and that sucks. That, that really does when you find out, Hey, these people got arrested because this fucking really like even some people you feel like you, you know, there's some staff you're like, Oh yeah, he's totally fucked up. No, the guy everybody loved was the one bringing the drugs in. And it's like, oh, man, that sucks. You know, people are walking in, smiling at you, and you all think you're on the same page, but they're doing something shady. And they just, you know, I feel like I can tell when a lot of the inmates are pulling stuff over on me. But when it comes to the staff, I've, I've only guessed it correct once. And that guy barely did anything. Oh, <laughs> we had an officer bring in um, uh, creatine powder. Uh, so you want to hear like one of the dumbest compromises I've ever heard, Let's unless hear it, they buddy. just caught him early. So um, uh, we had an officer, he's been there about two years, uh, kind of befriended an inmate in the housing unit. And the guy's like, hey, uh, can you bring in some uh, like cured here, some protein powder? And that's like, ah, I don't really want to do it. I don't want to buy it. He's like, all right, bud, how about this? I'm going to have my family send you a check for $12.50 or whatever it is. And why don't you use that money? Because you don't want to use your own money to buy this powder and bring it in. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. He fucking has, gives the inmate family his address. The inmate's family sends a check to him for the $12.49 or wherever the heck the, the powder costs. He went to Walmart, bought the powder, brought it in the inmate that night. <laughs> he got fucking fired for it lost a good job lost a lot of respect because he was a he was a guy that grew up in this town made a lot of friends everyone made him to be the next lieutenant got fired because he bought an inmate protein powder uh that the inmates family sent him the money for oh it's just like are you fucking dumb dude well i some people just go stupid sometimes like even some of the 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 smartest people i've ever met will just have a what the fuck? Like a dumb moment. I hate it. Well, and that's the Vicky White thing, you know, by the, the accounts given, which we have to take that into account. Yeah, because we still don't have given. all the info on that. But yeah, and what have we thing. got so far? Yeah, you know, they're saying, oh, yeah, she was great and no one would have expected this. Okay, but based on what I know, she fucking was like, I'm going to take this guy to an appointment by myself. No one in the facility was like, huh. It makes That's me wonder if so. I think they like, have I help hear on the some side. Like I hear some stories about bad staffing and how some facilities will cut corners. So like our policy has always two staff per inmate on a med trip. There was a one time period during COVID where we had like 20 something inmates out. 
and they and the policy was two staff per inmate. So they ended up going to one staff per inmate and then having a sergeant because it was on two different uh, uh, floors. They'd have a sergeant or a corporal on each floor that would go check in with each officer. So like, you know, even our policies, we had to bend because of the staffing issues. And we're a large facility. If you're a small facility, they could, you know, they could have low pay. They could have shitty working conditions. Don't want to work there. And I could see that at times they have maybe done that. Like I've heard of, you know, I, I'm on some correction Facebook page where people are like, yeah, we've done, you know, I've done one man escorts because of, you know, we didn't have any work in this reason. I wonder, you know, I hope to God it wasn't somebody else dirty or someone else just being lazy and maybe, you know, management's like, yeah, uh, they've been allowing him to do one or, you know, maybe she lied. And, you know, I, I don't know on that. Like my right. first thought it, it, is I wonder if, you know, just because the policy is too, they haven't been bending it because of how bad their staffing is. Or she could have just straight up just fooled everybody. You know, I wonder how many people they have to check out with. So I, that's the thing. I don't work in county jail. So to, for us to be able to leave the facility, there are so many steps involved. So I don't know. I can't, and on the county, can you just like be the transport? Do you just go to a cell, grab the guy and leave? I like, feel like on how it's that works. a lot. Even, even I would the think county, there would have to like be multiple layers. Balances. Yeah. So like with everyone fucking dropping the ball that day, or was it like, hey, we don't have the staff today, so I'm just going to take the guy? Which, again, like, man, this is her last day. This is weird. Or I don't know. It- and from what I heard, um, he had been talking to her for two years. So this guy probably started this as a plan. Like, maybe it wasn't even intentional. And then she just took to it, and he's like, you know what? I got a fucking shot here. Yeah, maybe. I mean, <sighs> and I, I just – my guess. I – I actually I did a video on YouTube about this because people were saying because I made some memes that the first one I didn't know she died and to be fair the second one I was well aware she died but I I look man like I'm not like celebrating her death or anything like that but she she fucked up big and, and sometimes she when you fuck up, you need knew to be what mocked. she was doing I hate and the while I'm not gonna thing. go out and like praise her death. I'm not as broken up about it as I thought it would be like a person dying. is so bad. Like when we have an inmate die, like it's still a person. Like I, it, it fuck it. It's tough, but I'm not going to go out there and throw a parade, you know, or uh, mourn him that much. Cause I, she, she betrayed everybody's trust and I, I wish she didn't die, but I can't say I'm too broken up about it. Yeah. I, and here's the other thing that and I didn't bring up in the video is, by mocking her, maybe that's something where somebody else sees that and it like a light bulb clicks on their head where they're like, oh shit, maybe I'm getting holy shit. Because it all starts like there's so many, like there's a really good book. Like uh, there's a couple of great books out there for corrections. Like uh, there's one fucking blank on the title. It's like uh, the games, uh, the games criminals play and how you can avoid it. Uh, Downing the duck. Like it all just starts so small, which is people sweet talking you. Like, if people is in for the people are in there for the rest of the life, all they have to do is just talk to you once a day. Okay, I know the guy now. And then you say hi, you know, you know their name, and they just so, slowly working you over years and years. And my policy for not doing that is not knowing anybody's name. Uh, like I'll call them like their last name and be professional, but I don't I don't want to talk to any of these fucking guys. Like I don't come to prison like, hey, I am really looking forward to talking to this person. No, dude, I'll talk to you about your issue, but get the fuck away from my desk. Like I'm not gonna be an asshole, but I'm not like we you have those really high strung high maintenance inmates that want to be at the desk all the time and talk to you 
and there's some officers that will sit there and bullshit with them. I just like go on the computer. I'll start reading a report and they're trying to talk to me. I'm like, dude, I, you know, you know, sorry, I'm not interested. You know, and they go away. And I feel like that's kind of what you have to do. Like if you're, if you're a corrections officer out there right now, and there's an inmate that you enjoy talking to when you're at work, uh, you need to look at yourself and see if you're being compromised. Like, I, I think that is a big thing. You might not even feel it. You might not even know it. But if there's one guy that hangs out with you a lot, always at the desk, is talking to you. I'm not saying you can't have a good working rapport. Like, I'll sit there and bullshit with the guys every once in a while. But, like, you know, they leave the facility. I'm not broken up. I don't care. Like, they're gone. You know, I work another spot. Like, I'll, I'll see him in six months or whatever when I go to another unit. But I'm not – you can't be friends with these people. You know, once they're out of prison, you know, you know your policy, whatever our state is, they don't want us interacting with people as much as you can uh, when they're out, but there's no real rule on it. Uh, you can do what you can have a friend when you're outside or whatever, but while they're in custody, you cannot be friends with these people. You know, they're not subhuman, but they are not your friends. Yeah, they are clearly not your friends. Don't be friends with prisoners, folks. Yeah, just, just don't. Like, it's not worth it. How do you tell... Like I always try to picture that conversation that when I brought up earlier about the, the officer bringing the, the protein powder, like, how do you tell your wife? So he had a wife with three kids. Uh, I, I think the oldest was like five. How do you go to your wife and tell her and your kids, Hey, I just got fired from my $70,000 a year job with bonuses and all this stuff because I brought in inmate protein powder. Like, how do you, how do you have that conversation? How do you not get, your, your wife, just like I married a fucking idiot and leave you like that, that is that, that warps my, that just, that fucking blows my mind. Like, how do you, these, your family and people on the outside are the most important people. Um, if you don't have a lot of friends, like uh, another thing, go make friends outside of corrections. Like I got some buddies at the prison. I love them. We'll go out. We'll shoot. We'll have a good time, but you need to get grounded. You need to have family and people that you care about that aren't at your facility that don't aren't around inmates you need to have positive influence that aren't just the the prison because there are some people that i see that their life is prison and you probably have a a similar thing on the outside where like i'm the cop i'm the cop 24 7 whether i'm on duty or off and i feel like those are the guys that burn out those are the guys that drink themselves to death and those are some of the guys that get compromised like when you have things on the outside that you can lose i feel like you're more likely to not fuck up on the inside that makes sense uh, no, you know, not all of, all of it, mind you, but like for the most part. Let me ask you this, because when something big happens nationwide on the outside, all of a sudden there's training. Like everybody's going to get an email and like, hey, go watch this training video about <laughs> whatever. Are you guys yeah. getting training videos? Like, hey, so we get some of that. Oh, we get we get some of that stuff. So like it, so like prison stuff, like, like I was talking about earlier, it's a lot more secretive. Something happens in a prison. It doesn't necessarily make the national news. It doesn't necessarily affect us sometimes. Like for you guys, you know, some, some guy does something dumb in a state on the other side of the country and you're in Cal, you know, and, and, and some guy can kill a dude in Maine, Portland, Maine. And the guy in San Diego, California is dealing with a riot because of it. And that's fucking nuts. You know, we had, uh, when I started somewhere in 2015, you had those uh, guys in New York uh, were able to sweet talk that lady that worked out their physical plant. Uh, and was able to help the the two guys escape. I remember we did an internal security audit after that happened, where we were going to, we looked, you know, looking at every tool, looking at every, you know, every cell everywhere, making sure that there's no way to break out and things like that. So like sometimes what happens on the outside affects us, but it's not, 
it's not a whole lot unfortunately well, some, i mean and, and to be completely honest there's sometimes you can learn something from somebody else's yeah. which always drives me nuts when i see a department fuck something up that another department is already fucked up yeah like that's like um i'm trying to think exactly um so like there was a, a riot in arizona um and they have were having issues with the radios and things like that and i remember we did a, a security audit because of the because of that and we saw that our radios were deficient and we upgraded so it's nice when we have an apartment that does that but yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you like sometimes you can see some people do some dumb shit and just like why are we not why why are we doing the same thing that this state's doing even though we know it's not right and then we get sued later because of it so now let me ask no, you to, to change directions a little bit uh, obviously on the outside law enforcement has changed a lot really since like 2014 and then you know more big changes in 2020 has your job changed a lot in the last seven years taking out the code so segregation aspect? has been a big thing so we don't have um at our we have a like a 200 bed segregation we don't have like what people think of you throw them in a box there's no window so our segregation is like the first floor it's so you have a long tier you have say um half mile quarter quarter mile tier and you have cells on each side and they have a window that look at each other so you'll be able to talk to the person across from you a little bit so there's a window that you can see people moving and stuff like that uh then upstairs is actually double bunked so some of the the segregation cells even have a celly uh they're able to get out of their cells and things like that anyway we've been trying to go away from segregation for better or for worse. Uh, it used to be when an inmate ran up to an officer and said, fuck you. Hey, that was an instant seg shot. Unfortunately, it's not a seg shot all the time anymore. Um, the amount of time that they can spend in segregation is less. The max uh, we currently allow is six months outside of the worst of the worst, the, wor- the, the absolute worst of the worst offenders. And then we have a special prison for those folks. But uh, we have, we're cutting our bunk space from like 200 to like 100. Uh, forcing us to only keep the worst of the worst within our facility where we've cut down. Like if you can do a two on one, if you go on a one-on-one fight, maybe get like 30 to 60 days in seg. Uh, if you had go on a three on one or, or, uh, or higher, uh, it might be uh, like six months or if you use a weapon, uh, they've cut that down in half degradation now. Uh, <laughs> so I got mandatory to seg the other night. We had movies in seg now. Uh, so some people, so we have different incentive levels in our segregation. You have, you started like one or two and then you work your way up to five for how good you've been. You know, you haven't had any issues. You've completed programming. So everyone that comes into segregations, there's like anger, anger management or different kind of programs that they can do. Uh, and then we pull them out. So we never had phone calls and say, you were in seg, you never had a phone call. Now you can send a kite to a person, uh, and, uh, one of our seg staff. And now you can have a 10 minute phone call once a week. Uh, you can now have your MP3 player in SEG as long as you're a high enough uh, uh, incentive level. Uh, they'll pull you out and strap you to a desk um, into a classroom. And the other night they were watching Atomic Blonde. Uh, we had six inmates out there and they're sitting bullshitting for three hours. Uh, you know, it's SEG isn't what it used to be. You're not just throwing people in a dark hole. And again, you're giving people things, things to lose. And we don't get motherfucked that much to say. We're, we used to be... You know, before I started, especially there were cell extractions every single night. Uh, these guys were going to fight. That's all there was. There was nothing you, they'd get a book and that's it. And they would just want to fight and they would cover up their windows. They would, 
you know, um, throw, you know, they would clog up their toilet and like, you know, flood the tears and things like that. Now, because they have their MP3 player and they don't fuck around as much, um, you know, for better or for worse, it's, it's caused less issues for our staff. And I feel like that's better, but again, we're cutting the amount of time. There, there are some people that see it as a revolving door of, Hey, I can do this and now get out quicker, but it's not as negative as I initially thought it was going to be. Our numbers of people going or even committing the crimes, the crimes within the prison are less now because of all the, the printed programs and incentives we're doing and then doing the seg stuff. It just, we, we just have as much trouble as we used to. Let me ask you about the, like, so a three on one salt or a three on one yeah. fight is, you know, basically an assault. Is so technically anybody- in, so technically in our state, um, a two on one can be considered depending on, uh, you know, how physical and stuff they get. So that will get forwarded to the state police. Okay. Uh, that was if, my question was, yeah. are those actually investigated as crimes where they could potentially go back? So any, time or no? any assault or any crime that's on the outside could also be inside. Um, so we've had, in, oh, oh, oh boy. So we had a fight on one of our housing units. Um, so this, <laughs> oh man. So this sex offender, uh, got punched in the face. Uh, he went up to the officer and said, Hey, I got punched in the face. And the officer, he was pretty new. He calls the sergeant and go, Hey, they just happened. What the fuck? Uh, the sergeant's in two staff, the unit to, um, go figure out what the fuck's going on. Cause the new officer's kind of freaking out. Oh my God, I got, you got punched. What do I do? Anyway. So the officers over there, uh, they get over there and they're talking to the inmate like, Hey, what's going on? And the inmate walks out to the day room points to one of the biggest fucking white supremacists six five 300 pounds like all fucking muscle he's like that man right there he assaulted me in a day room of like 50 inmates the inmate gets up he looks around he's like well fuck and then he starts punching every sex offender in the tv room so he maybe assaults (laughs) <laughs> seven eight people and then his buddy because he knew in. he was in trouble so he's like yeah, well I he knew he was in trouble so later on he said i'm gonna make it worth it so he is like literally we're talking this guy's got fucking uh oh, this guy's got huge arms and he's going around to every like hammer fisting guys while they're sitting in their chairs and then his buddies all jump up from the same gang because they want to join it because his buddy's going in so they're not attacking the staff they're attacking all the men so we have a Oh, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, maybe a six on 12, six on 10, something like that. Uh, they're running down the tier. They're running their cells, trying to escape these guys, doing the three staff on the unit. And the officer's just like, oh, from what I heard, he just yelled, oh, fuck, as loud as he could. Uh, called for more staff to come to the unit. All three of them are just spraying. They're, the whole unit smells of OCT spray. I'm on the other side of the facility. We, all we hear is someone screaming, we need staff to the, you know, to the housing unit. Oh, uh, multiple inmates fighting. And you just hear Buddy Mary in the background. We get on the unit. Fucking chairs are thrown around. A bunch of inmates are just like sitting in the corner. Like, yeah, yeah, with their fucking hands up. Like, oh, yeah, I don't want any part of this. Um, so I'm long story short, we resolve the fight. We spray a bunch of dudes. We get him in cuffs. I'm taking this one guy off the unit. So he's in my, so I, it's, there's so many inmates involved right now. The staff we have are doing one man escorts to say, uh, this guy's fucking bleeding. I actually ended up taking him to medical because he had a broken nose. But as we're walking through the unit, he screams, I'm going to sue all you motherfuckers. And I yank the dude, uh, uh, I yank his cuffs. I yank him back. 
And I fucking give him a jab in the arm. I'm like, motherfucker, you need to shut the fuck up. And he looks at me like, I'm like, dude, if you fucking say that again, they're going to jump you. And he goes, oh. And I, there, everyone's looking. There's probably like 30 inmates in the day room or something like that left over after this fight. And they're just giving him like daggers. Because some of his buddies, uh, the original guy's buddies didn't jump in. You know, some, uh, uh, you know, some of them did, but there's still a couple there. And I thought I was going to get jumped. Oh my God. I thought I was going to have to fight these guys off because getting assaulted during an escort, that's rough. Like that is, we're going to beat the shit out of this guy in cuffs. And then you got to defend this guy because uh, he can't defend himself. That was, a, that was a fun story. And I don't remember your original question anymore. Well, what I was getting at though, is do guys ever get charged? Yeah. So uh, he ended up, thank you. So he ended up actually pressing charges for his assault. Um, and now he can only live on two or three units where he gets his ass kicked. So any crime that happens in the prison, you can. So our SIU, which is our uh, drug investigation group, uh, they send a lot of stuff to the state police and state police are kind of like, eh, you know, unless it's too big, they don't really, they don't really care. Unfortunately, they don't have the manpower to really do the stuff on the outside and also in the prison. But if you want to hire a lawyer and go the route, they will, they will take it that those guys went to prison. For it, uh, I've heard of an inmate. We had an inmate, a sister prison, uh, get stabbed uh, through the lung, and then with the trial, and they gave the guy ten years for it. Yeah. So I mean, it it, it definitely happens. happens. But if you want to, depending on how long you have and what your charges are, some people just want to take the beating and walk away. Hmm. Fair enough. Now, is dropping the soap is that a real thing? So we have so Priya is huge. Uh, I don't know what Priya is. Help me so, out. So, uh, have you never? So, uh, Bush passed something. Fuck, I don't remember. Oh, one, oh, four. It's called the Prison Rape Elimination Act, saying that no one should be raped in prison. Uh, it didn't really kick off until for our state until the mid 2010s. Uh, so, we have posters everywhere. If you've been a, you know, a victim of a sex crime, you know, come hit us. You know, hit us up. Uh, we have a lot of privacy screeners. We only allow so many people in the showers. Uh, the, at our facility, the showers are in total view of the officers at all times. Uh, you have like a waist high thing, but that's about it. Uh, so it's really hard to do that. I, are there rapes? Yes, but it's, it is like, I've seen, I've heard of maybe one in the seven years I've worked there. And that one was maybe iffy. You have, you have a lot more consensual. There's so much gay for the stay. It's, it's, it's nuts. But like we had an inmate the other day, well, apparently was in the shower for over an hour. Uh, he was on his hands and knees. Officer didn't notice it. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people went in and out of that shower stall, but, but he, um, but he was here, he was, but he was, he, he was, he was willing and ready to go. Um, but it's not like we allow our inmates to, um, they can wear their boxers, they can wear underwear while they're in the shower if they don't feel comfortable. I'm sure you know, we don't hear about everything, but so our facility has oh my god, so many cameras every single room. I'm sure there's blind spots here and there. But there's really not that many. Um, we catch almost everything. It's it's really hard to have consent. So there is no consensual sex in prison. We do not allow that. But, you know, per the, the Prison uh, Rape Elimination Act, uh, there's no consensual sex. It doesn't matter if they're in a relationship. doesn't matter if an inmate's married to another inmate. We have male inmates that are married and living in our prison, but they're separated. They're either on different housing units or different sides of the institution. Uh, but there is no consensual sex at all. You cannot 
have that. That is that is not a thing between staff and inmates, between inmates and inmates. It's all for it. So they really drill that into a lot of the inmates, but I'm sure it hasn't. It's, say it's they so rare. It into a lot of inmates. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Pun. Got him. But um, it doesn't happen at least in my facility, and that's so rare. And even talking to the inmates, I've been to a lot of facilities. Like people hear about it happening, but it's not the stereotype that people think it is. Okay. Granted, um, I don't know. Maybe Louisiana is terrible, and they they have it happen all the time, but. Um, you know, at least for our state, it's it's more variety. It happens, but it it's a couple of times a year. Before we move on, because I don't have a ton more questions as far as the jail stuff goes on. Yeah, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think people should know about working in the jail? Uh, whew, let me think. I've kind of brought up a lot of the stuff. It's more mentally tasking than people think it is. You have to. Uh, we got a lot of folks that start at like Safeway or Walmart and their customer service jobs and they come to the prison and they still have that customer service mindset. Uh, you can't have that in the prison. Like they're not your customer. They're, yeah, I guess you can think of them as clients, but that, that wouldn't even really be a right term for it. Um, you have to be able to multitask. Uh, this isn't your grandfather's prison anymore. Uh, you don't just sit around doing nothing, wait for something to happen. There's a lot more engagement. There's a lot more you having to go out and stop fires. And you know, not everybody's good at that. Some people just want to sit around and collect a paycheck and we have those staff too, but it's just, there's a lot more involved in working in a prison than people realize. And there's also a lot of boredom too. And if you're not okay with downtime, like you, like, I'm not going to say, I, I, when I came in, I'm like, I want to see a fight. And then I remember a year in, I heard that we, you know, we had a fight on this unit, fight on this unit. I remember my first thought was paperwork. And that was when I realized okay, I'm not in it for the fights anymore. I'm in it just because I like the job and I like the pay. And that's what the mindset you really have to go into. You're not, you're not going to the shop thinking, I'm just going to you know, beat the shit out of guys. It's just, that's just not what it is. That's not what prison is anymore. You're not running around with a nightstick, you know, beating people. Like I'm sure, you know, United States is a big place. I'm sure there's some prisons that still operate like it's 1850, but more and more prisons are going away from that to a more active, you know, we look at, you know, uh, we never really talk about it a lot, but, uh, Norway is considered one of the best correctional facilities or the correctional systems in the world. Um, you know, for better or for worse, uh, there's a lot of arguments for either. Have you ever looked? Have you ever looked at? Uh, know anything about Norway's prisons? I feel like they have like a really like I remember seeing something like oh they get this and that and they're all happy and I'm like fuck them. Yeah, so they so if you I, I can't remember any of the prisons off the top of my head. They built a brand new facility for some of their worst offenders, and. Um, and they basically, they're a part, the, 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 the units are apartments, you know, there's doors, they get wood furniture, they got a TV, they can buy Xboxes. Um, it's almost like it's, they're at an apartment almost. And they are really towards the rehabilitation. Um, there's jobs. Uh, they have inmates that uh, inmate run restaurants uh, that people can pay money to go to and things like that. Like it's uh, you know, wood shop, just, they do a lot. They're, they really throw the focus on the rehabilitation and allowing these guys to have a lot more things, giving them a lot more things, or at least them having to earn it. And in their facilities, they don't have as many fights. They don't have as many rights. Like they still have them. Uh, you might have an inmate break the fuck out of the, break the leg off the table, try to hit a guy with it. And then they just replace the, the leg of the table. And then they punish the guy for what they did. Uh, it's an interesting way to run a system, but, uh, 
we kind of model ours off that because you know, at the end of the day, their, their racism rates are very low. Granted, um, them being in Northern Europe, uh, I think insulates them from like, we're, we're a bigger country. Um, you could argue that Mexico south of us is a failed state. Uh, so it has a lot of, you know, crime that comes over and it causes, like, we have a lot of folks in our prison for, you know, drug trafficking and things like that, that, you know, cartel members that, I mean, Norway doesn't have, but at the end of the day, their, their system, they're doing something that works. And we're trying to model that to an extent, like we, we can't, well, hundred percent, we cannot copy what they do, but we are trying to take influence from things that they do. And it, it's, it's definitely making our system softer um and in some good ways some some bad ways like you know if there's you know if someone goes up to an officer and says fuck you or go fuck yourself and goes off on the guy i think you should be removed from the unit because especially if the officer is new they're now afraid they're now having to live with the you know humiliation of everyone around them you know you're on a unit with 80 guys trying to be the authority figure and some guy just goes off on you uh you take you get the guy off the unit the the show that you're in control and then when the guy just comes back to the unit with a slap on the wrist it kind of shows that you lost a little bit of control and you feel like the the prison doesn't have your back as much so like that kind of stuff kind of bugs me but you know we don't have as much of that as we used to because of the things that we do you know the things that you know when i say they have TVs and switches like they're allowed to buy, they buy those with their own money uh, we don't, we don't give them any of these things and then we can take it away when they do, you know, bad stuff, you know, MP3 players, they have tablets. So we have tablets on the unit. Uh, they can check them out with the officers and they have like preset sites that they can go to. Like there's like a movie app, not Netflix or anything like that, but like a prison room movie app and like music that they can listen to. They can check like CNN's website and things like that, you know, and they don't want to lose that. And it's, you know, a couple years in now, I think it's been better for us in the long run, but there's still times here and there where I kind of have to grit my teeth because I don't like this specific scenario. But as a whole, I think it's better and it's a lot easier to work in a prison than it used to be. You're not coming home with, you know, blood on your boots like every night. You know, we had a guy, uh, he came up from, uh, so I kind of thought, uh, the guy, I, I think I brought him up earlier about the private prison. He was a lieutenant in a Corrections of America. Uh, before he was that, he worked in the Arizona prison, uh, the state prison. He was talking about like every night he would come home in the early 90s, like blood on his boots. Like they would fight. Like they didn't have OC spray or anything, but they would just be fighting inmates all day. He would have black and blues all over his body. And as when he was younger, he was like, yeah, I'm into that. But now he's paying for it. And it's like, you know, I've been in, you know, I've been assaulted once. I've had to get in and get physical on guys. But not to the extent that I've read about, or even you know the people I've been there twenty years. Like, man, it's it's a lot quieter than it used to be. You know, knock on wood because they said the keyword. But uh, oh, you just but, fucked yourself. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? It's my Saturday. If I get fucked on Friday, then I guess it is what it is. Well, but um, you know, working in prison is not as bad as it used to be. Uh, I think more people can do it now. Uh, you just need to kind of have the mental fortitude to be able to, you know, knock it swayed by some of these guys and be able to deal with the boredom to an extent well and not to go too far off onto like a wild tangent but i i feel like again i i have the two you know the two guys on my shoulder one guy's like well you know we need to get these guys rehabilitated so when they are out they're decent human beings when they get out most people are going to get out like that's the thing not everybody is going to be you know 
I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say like 85 plus percent of the people are going to get out. They're going to be your neighbor. Um, the apartment I lived in before uh, I bought my home, uh, I had a former inmate move in two doors down. Uh, he had spent six years in prison. I had him on a unit. I sent him to SAG once. He was my fucking neighbor. I saw him. He saw my family. And you know what? I treated the guy decently. You know, with respect. I didn't, I didn't go outside the rules. I didn't try to make a target of him or anything. And we always had a cordial relationship on the outside. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing? I didn't go over for a barbecue. I didn't go like say hi to anything. But you know what? Those people are coming out. And as much as that guy who raped the, you know, the girl, like I, I want to beat the shit out of that guy. There's this part of me that like, I hate that dude. But you know what? He's not going to be in prison forever. And even if he is, like, that's not right. Well, the, the yeah. rape guys, the rape guy is a different, different subject. I've but, but, that guy. but he's but, coming, but he's going to get out. He's going to be your neighbor. He's going to be your cook. When you go to Denny's, he's going to, he's going to be, he come to your home and install your cable TV or internet. So at the end of the day, these people are getting out. And as much as we want to punish what kind of pro, you know, to, to think of the people as a product, what kind of product do you want? to make when they come in you, know, you think of these guys coming in as raw materials what do you want them to be like when they leave you well, know you want them to you want to have a high quality product is how it, some people have always talked about it but you want them to be better so they don't go out and reoffend. or you know when i see them on the street they don't automatically come and attack me i have family members that have been in prison like have done time and they're good dudes people fuck up that's I the other thing i think we, yeah. we 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 think about sometimes is somebody's been in the prison they're automatically a bad dude and i and i always go on these rants about how our society is too forgiving but let's be honest you paid your debt to society you fucked up you did your time i'm about second chances now i pet, pedos and rapists no in my 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 humble opinion mm. in my brain but we'll move past that so like guys will do some dumb shit and they fucked up they know they fucked up they, they you get into a fight you, you're drinking you get into a fight at a bar you beat the shit out of the guy you get 10 years i mean you you beat the shit out of the guy but like you could have been a really decent person before and you massively fucked up you know do you get a second chance like you, you yes should. i i think you should i, you know, I have that guy you beat up is probably gonna be scarred for life but that's on a death penalty that's on a life in prison kind of crime so you're gonna get out and you know hopefully we give some some of these guys like a chance and that's the thing right because if like i said i have the two guys on my shoulder one guy's like fuck these guys and the other half's like mm. hold on a second they, they need the second chance so i, I kind of go back and forth on, on my thoughts with that but yeah. copying other systems i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but sometimes i think so people look at something they're like well this country does this so we should do this we are not that country we have way different problems we're in a different yeah. part of the world we have um different population we have different laws we have different I think it's okay to model different things. Like I look at the yeah, you can take inspiration. Exactly. I feel, is you look at this and be like, you know what? What we're doing, obviously, every every person in my state be like, hey, the prison system doesn't work. Okay, you know, we might not be a hundred percent, but there there are things we can do to be better. And what can we? Where can we look at across the country, across the planet, and see what they're doing? And you know what? Maybe they have one or two things that are better than we do. Maybe they ha they give us an idea of hey. You know, what we're doing is maybe okay, but we should tweak it to look at more like this. And like that, it, it's worth going out and looking. If you just stay in your bubble and just th this is how it's been for 30 years. So this is how it's always going to be. 
I, yeah, that's a bad mindset in my opinion. Like yeah. I, I hate it when we have staff that have been there for a while. Like we don't do it like we used to. Well, yeah, the way you did it was fucked. <laughs> like, you know, in some regards, not everything, but like you, I always hate that mentality of just because we always did it. That's how we're doing it. Well, I look at myself as like a dude that I, I'm not like just, I'm a self-made man and, and I've done things my own way. I've taken from other people that I've seen what works, what doesn't work. I look at myself. I'm like, I was doing that. That didn't work. That was fucked up. And it, I think that can translate to anything you do. Like if you're an officer out on the road, maybe you did something a certain way and you're like, ah, I could do things better. You're in corrections. Yeah. You looked at something a different way. You can, you can do things better, but you just can't, you can, like, I can't look at like my neighbor and be like, I'm going to be exactly like him because you know what? I'm not him, but it's yeah. okay to None learn through others' mistakes. Phenomenal. When we started the shop, you want to talk about just taking inspiration from other systems, you know, as a person, like I have read a lot of different corrections books. I'm a part of a lot of different, you know, corrections, Facebook page, you know, try not to share a lot of info because a lot of those people are just former inmates, but um, you're know, reading about different stories. Like, so we're able to look at any, any like fight, any, any issue that's happened to any prison system. We have a software that we can share reports and I like to read about other people's experience because when I started the shop, I was terrible. I think everybody is like, you try to throw somebody in at 21 or like, to, or, or, you know, or, you know, 18, whatever the, the age is for these jobs uh, across the state. And like, you got a 20 year staff that goes in their unit their first day and they come back. I, Oh, this guy's a train wreck. Like motherfucker, it's their first day, their first week, their first month. Like they will get better over time. You know, it, it really is your first couple of weeks. I remember running my first line movement. Um, you know, we just had chow and I'm on a celled unit and I'm pressing doors and I'm opening them and like 80 people start rushing the officer station. So like where you're at the officer station and then you have to break off. Like you come up to me within maybe half a foot of me from where I'm opening the bar box and then they turn left and then they go out the, the door to go to chow. And it's like, Oh my God, that's terrifying. Like my head is spinning. Everybody's coming up, ask me all these questions. You know, what's this? What's that? Some of them are trying to fuck with you. Some of them have honest questions and your mind is spinning. It takes a while. You get better at the job. You know, that's the one thing about law enforcement. There's no way you'd be a one year, two year. You, know, you see your article, you know, all this three year vet should have known this specific situation. Like, holy shit, how do you how do you train for some of the things that we see? Like my second weekend, I had a guy assault me. So he was mad at the officer before me. And um, uh, I was the one that had to, to told him he was selled in. Like he had he had he had broke a cell door uh, as the last chance um, thing before they threw him and say they decided to give him a shot. And they sell them in, which is where um, they gave a conduct order. Basically, means you know they're they're locked in their cell. They can come out for like a five minute movement to get a shower for ten minutes or get some ice and water. But they have to stay. And he had a video visit. You know, he was mad at the other guy, and I had to tell him the one. Oh no, you can't have the video visit. And he flipped out. He threw a pitcher of boiling water. He, uh, so we have uh, on the unit they have these taps of 190 degree water that they can use to make ramen or whatever. Got a pitcher of that, threw that on me. You know, how you know, my first instinct was so I'm in the day room and there's like 30 inmates out there with me. Uh, he throws it, uh, he throws it on me and I run to a door and I put my back to it. Cause I know that's where the staff are coming and I fight the guy right there. And we're, we're fucking exchanging punches and shit. He has the upper hand on me cause I'm fucking now blinded cause I got some water in my eye and shit. He knocks my glasses off. Uh, but like people are like watching the video and like, Oh, Hey, this motherfucker ran. I'm like, I didn't want to get jumped was my first thought. 
but um, you know, maybe I should have stood my ground in the middle of the day room with 100 inmates or 30 inmates around me. I don't know. Like, the more, like, how do you train for that scenario on what to do? You know, the, I feel like now being there for seven or eight years, I feel like I would have been able to hold my ground a little bit better, or I would have known what to look for. But like, you, you don't know. You know, a guy runs at you with a gun when you're on the outside or coming at you with a knife. You don't think of, okay, this is exactly what I saw in my training. Your first thought's probably like, holy shit, what the fuck do I do? Like when I'm getting punched in the face, like I wasn't blocking as much as I should because the first thought, no joke that crossed my mind was, oh man, this doesn't hurt as much as I thought it would. <laughs> like I'm sitting here getting punched. And I'm thinking about how it doesn't hurt. I'm not thinking about how to defend myself because like the adrenaline is just, Pummy. And then it, then something clicked and I'm like, holy shit, this is going on. And I felt like that's when you see my hands going up. Like I'm blocking punches. I'm able to get one in on him. I'm pulling out my spray. Like everything starts clicking, but like the initial shock of, is this really happening to me? Uh, there's no way to train for that. And unfortunately some people, I think act poorly. Like it took me a couple, it took me about seven or eight punches to the face to like for that to click in on me. And then the, the next time it happened, um, which it wasn't as bad, I got kicked. Like, I jumped in right away. Like, the guy tried to kick me, and I, I was able to fucking push his, his uh, kick aside, and I sprayed him. But, like, you guys on the outside, us on the inside, like, you, you go from, like, zero to nothing. Like, okay, one thing I like to uh, compare about different between corrections and prisons. Real quick, so though, if, before you, before sorry, you do that, ahead. though, I wanted to say something yeah. as far as, like, you can't train for that, which – it's one thing to get it in a simulation. It's another thing for it to yeah. actually happen. But that's why I'm a huge fucking believer in stress inoculation. Mm. Huge believer in that. Like the academy is where it's like a college environment. You're not doing anybody any favor. Like you need to fucking run them. You need to fucking stress them out. So they're used to that. Because I know when I went through, that was very helpful in my career. But go on. No, that no, I agree with that. So like, you know, the classroom stuff can only go so far like some of my favorite training was where we dress up guys in hitman suits and it's like hey we have a couple of instructors they're active the inmates they're in hitman suits you got a hitman suit on or a you know, a suit on you guys are going to be i believe we call it red running man. through scenarios uh we call it a rea- uh, rbt's or reality based training uh but yeah i mean that is some of the best training i feel like i've ever gotten and i only got like one of those because we didn't have enough time for everyone to go through the three times we were supposed to and that I hate because like, that's like the best, like, Hey, I'm now in this situation. Holy shit. What do I do? This guy's coming at me or, Hey, this guy is just talking to me and I have to work out his issue, but he could fight me at any minute. Uh, and that's some of the best training I've ever had. And I really wish we did more of that. To be honest, I don't know about like you guys in the Academy. Do you get like a bunch of that where like you have to like wrestle with instructors as uh... we didn't get as much as we should have for sure. I mean, we did a lot of defensive tactics and, you know, we got yelled at and, you know, wrecked and all that stuff. But I think, I think we only had one real, like true red man type scenario where we were fighting with instructors, which I think there should have been more. There should, I feel like that's some of the best training because you can always think about this is what I'm going to do, but even in a training scenario, like that's, you know, that is my, my, the best way I've ever been able to get in that mindset. But uh, anyway, what I was getting at was, um, so uh, the way they talked about it in our, uh, in our classes. So when an, you know, sometimes it, it happens in front of the officer and that's how it is. But from my understanding, the majority of the time you guys say you have a crime, uh, you guys get called over the radio. Hey, unit five or whatever the hell it is. 
I have I don't I don't know please we go over any of that stuff. Unit sixty nine. Um, hey, unit sixty nine. We got a four twenty in progress at this corner of uh, the city. So we need you to go over there. So once you get the call, that's when your adrenaline starts building up. That's when you start getting into the mindset of something is going to happen. You're able to build up that adrenaline. So when you get there, you're ready to go. Uh, corrections, when you're on a housing unit, you are sitting there writing paperwork and you look to your left and all of a sudden some guy has got another guy in a headlock and he is beating the shit out of the guy. We don't have that slow buildup to the call. And that's not to say somebody doesn't happen in front of you guys at times, it does. But the 99% of the, the engagements that we're in are zero to 60 and no joke. You are just sitting there minding your own fucking business and you turn and some guy is getting stomped in, uh, getting stomped, he's dying. Or some guy is having a seizure or some guy is having an overdose. And there's not that call saying, hey, this is what's going on. And you're mentally getting ready and preparing for it. No, you're just automatically in it. This, this know, is what's I, happening. I got now. actually, let me, and I can't speak for everyone, but yeah. in my personal experience, I felt like a lot of the calls, I know there's a fancy fucking word for it. And I'm not trying to call out dispatchers. And I think we talked about it a little bit with Mo, but there's this term basically about dispatch hyping cops up. Oh. And I found a lot of the times the calls that seemed the worst really didn't end up being that bad. But then when you got there and you're like, oh, this is a nothing burger. And then all of a sudden it's fucking like crazy. So I, I think a lot of times people will call things in and, and they, you know, they up what it actually is. But then for whatever reason, people will call some shit in that probably should be a big deal, but they, you know, they're calmer to dispatch or, you know, we get there and things <laughs> elevate. I mean, for the most part, like, let's say there's like a shooting in progress. Oh. I'm not saying we won't get there sometimes when the shootings happen, but for the most part, we are not getting there right when the shooting happens. A lot of the times, you know, when officers are involved in shootings, it's a traffic stop. So that's like zero to 60. Or, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Well, I, I, but I, I'm yeah. just like, I'm just throwing it out there. Just But to, even when you do stop the guy, so like, hey, you're doing a traffic stop. Not to say it's zero to 60, but maybe it's 20 to 60. You're okay. I've now stopped this guy. I am now getting into the, the groove of something might happen and give you that, like that kind of thing. Uh, like, like you're I starting mean, to get you, into I'll that mindset. You, I know what you're saying. I'll, I'll you're starting you to get into, you know, you hit your lights, you're pulling the guy over. You're starting to get into that mindset. Like the, the zero to 60, I would think of is like, I remember, was it last year? There was a two officers and I, I think it was like San Francisco or San Diego. Like they're just sitting there in their car eating food. And then some guy comes up and just starts shooting at them. Like that is like fucking like, you're fucking sitting there just eating your food and all of a sudden some guys just shooting at you. That is that zero to 60 I'm talking about. I'm just like, holy shit, there was no indication, nothing to say that something was going to happen. And all of a sudden someone's shooting at me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I, I guess the point I'm getting at is yeah. I, I think that maybe there's kind of a misconception as far as like police work and dispatching and things go and, and yeah. how we go to things because it's such a fucking mixed bag. We're like, sometimes that call that's totally amped up is fucking amped up and it's fucking on when we get <laughs> yeah. there. And then sometimes you get there and you're like, Oh, this is fucking nothing burger. Nothing actually happened. Um, because you're relying on random people to call in and you, it's like, that's such a mixed fucking bag. Uh, and I'm not like, I'm not saying no that to like, I'm get. not saying that to discount yeah. what happens in the jail because yeah, based on everything we've talked about, you have guys that there's, a reason guys 
don't want to act out because they don't want to lose things. They don't want to be in jail longer. They don't want to go to SAG. They yeah. don't whatever. I'm not discounting any of that. I was just merely pointing out that there is a lot of that zero to 60 in law enforcement. In oh, my yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying you guys don't have that, but I would say corrections is mostly that. Like if you're working like a response team, like then you might have that, like, uh, you know, inmate fight, blah, blah, unit, inmate fight, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, 18 response. So, okay. Now we're hyping ourselves for going, but that is, you know, that, you know, that is the less amount. The majority of the stuff is there's nothing to now there's something. And that, that for some people they have, so they talk a lot and um, you guys have it in police too. So I'm not really trying to discourage that, but correction officers as a whole, we have a lower life expectancy. Um, we're usually unhealthier. Uh, they, they say when people walk into a prison, you know, they're turned on their adrenaline is pumping and then it's pumping for the next eight hours because we don't know where the threat's coming from, but we are in the threat. I am next to, I'm literally looking at 10 guys in here for murder, four guys in here for assault. And I have to be eyes in the back of my head, the whole eight hours. So when people get off, they crash. Uh, you know, people in corrections, like we die at like 59 or something like that. I can't remember the exact age, but it's one of the, uh, the highest mortality rates for the uh, law enforcement in America or not, well, not necessarily on the job, but you guys are on the job way more than, than we are by any means. But um, you know, a lot of our people don't make it to retirement because we're dying of heart attacks before because the stress is, is killing us. And that, that's the one thing about a prison that you just, like my first couple of years I was turned on, especially after my assault, I was on 24 seven. I would come home. I would crash. I was sleeping 10 hours a day maybe longer. I was so exhausted. I eventually had to tell myself, like, I just can't, I can't do that anymore. I can't be turned on the entire time at work, eight hours, 12 hours, 16 hours, you know, if I'm working overtime or whatever, like I'm aware of my surroundings to an extent, but I am now more, if something happens, it happens uh, to me. Like I will defend myself. I'll, I'll do all that stuff, but I can't have eyes in the back of my head because I will, I will burn out and I will, it will kill me. And it's, it's really shitty to have that. I feel like maybe some people in the corrections here might, you know, might know what I'm talking about. Like when you come home, you're just dead. Like I have to force myself to, okay, I'm going to take the dog out for a walk once I get home. Like, no, I don't want to do that, dude. I just, I am so burnt out. I just want to lay down and go to bed. No, I'm, I'm forcing myself. I'm going to get out. I'm going to put my running shoes on. I'm going to go for, go for a quick run with the dog or something. Uh, because you, you just, it, it's killing people, man. Like that is, that is one thing in corrections that, that is really rough. Yeah. I, dude, I got it. I think that's one of those things throughout, you know, the medical field, especially like, you know, like, an yeah, ER nurses, setting. like ER nurses and stuff like that. Like oh, yeah. Nursing, you know, there's a lot of these law enforcement these professions that cross EMT, you know, EMTs you're, you're kind of dealing with the same thing in different ways. And that's mm. the unexpected toll that, you know, we talk about, but nobody on the outside talks about like, look, I, I'm not. Oh, just whole, man like, up. It ain't for, that bad. You know, I'm not looking for a thank me for my service type thing, but it's a real thing. Like guys will retire at 59 and they're dead at 62, you know, because we've had three officers in the last two years that have retired since COVID die within six months of retirement. And I, one was, one was 68. He, he, he was with us for a while. Uh, not 68, 65. I'm sorry. Uh, but one of the guys was like 58. He retired early. He had a military pension too. And he's like, you know what? I've saved some money. I'm gonna retire. He died within six months. He got a heart attack. Um, and that guy was like pretty you know, fit. And it's just like, 
we have so many of those folks that are dying early. And I look at myself and like, I wouldn't say I'm obese by any means, but I got a little weight on me. And it's like, I, I'm doing whatever I can to try and get off that and be a little healthier because I don't want to be that. I want to retire. I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to retire and have six months. And I, you know, a lot of law enforcement folks, we're, we're dying early. The stress of the job, um, if you cannot find healthy outlets, is, is killing us. And people on the outside just, you know, they don't get it. I'm not going to, you know, you, you see a 30-second you know, clip of an officer getting assaulted and like, oh, hey, man, he maybe punched that guy too hard. But you didn't see all the other stuff that led up to it that like stressed the fuck out of the guy. I don't know. Like that, that just, uh, that, that just gets me, man. Sometimes like we're, you know, people on the outside just, you know what? I don't want to say they don't care. They don't know. You know, again, what, you no, know, they, don't care, police, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They don't even want to know. They don't care. Yeah. Like they want, they want uh, everything to be perfect and sunshine and rainbows. And if it doesn't happen, sunshine and rainbows, like they believe it should happen. It's bad, but they neglect to think about like all the shitty people in the world. But yeah. uh, right now, blue man, and we're just people, yeah. man. Like we, you know, we make mistakes and shit. Like we're not, we're we're doing the best we can. But like we're working in environment. So I read an article here the other day that like if you work in police, and I, it probably is somewhere in corrections, it's like like an average person sees one, maybe two. It's like it's like one point three or whatever critical instance a year. We're talking about someone dying in front of them you know, a heart attack, you know, an assault, a car wreck or something, you know, the average at cops, these hundreds, you know, I've in one year, I've, I remember in 2019, I had a rough year. I, I broke up like, I think it was like 15 fights, uh, some pretty bad ones. I gave a guy an overdose. Uh, we gave him CPR for an hour because it took a while for the EMTs to come. So we're going to the unit, just pumping this guy and he's got fucking bile coming out of his mouth. You know, the eyes are rolling in the back of his head. You know, I saw my first stabbing that year, like, I've seen a lot of shit in the seven years I work corrections and I try to tell, like, I'm lucky I have a very supportive wife who I can tell these things to, but you know, I'm, I'm doing a cookie cutter version of just kind of then she's like, Holy shit. That's crazy. You know, you, people don't see what we do. And there's a lot of folks that just can't internalize that and they can't get an outlet of it. And then they take it out or they get burned out and they do something dumb. And now all of a sudden this person's vilified for doing like one dumb thing. Or fucking up this one time. Well, or, it, it depends on the fuck up. But it depends. Say, it totally depends on the fuck up, right? You did say something that kind of I thought was interesting, as far as you know, they see the one thing, especially with the advent of social media and body cameras and stuff. Is they're seeing something sometimes where we, let's I got to give the little disclaimer so nobody gets triggered. Like there's been some guys that have fucked up, obviously, but oh, totally. You're seeing things that you don't understand or you're seeing a small portion of it and you don't understand. And like, no one fucking knows what Graham V. Connor is. No one understands use of force. They just see it and it looks rough and they don't like it. And you know, I, this is when like somebody uses force, thing. you have to use force to stop them. Granted, there is an amount of force you're supposed to use, but it never looks good. If some guy's fighting you and he punches you, you're going to punch him. Oh, why the fuck did the cop punch that guy? Oh, that's so terrible. He's a terrible human being for doing that. Like force looks bad, but you know, you have to use force on force sometimes. And I, I feel like people get thrown under the bus way too easy for that. Yeah, they do. But it's, everybody wants to be safe, but no one wants to see how it's done. The world yes. is a violent place. Okay. There's no getting around it. And I'm not saying we can't get better and learn new and different ways to do it. But one of the biggest problems I had is 
I was taught over eight and a half years, this is how you do things. And then all of a sudden, well, we shouldn't do these things. You fucking taught us this shit, dumb fucks. You taught us this. You ingrained it in our minds. You told us this is how we do business. And now you're telling us we're bad for conducting business the way you taught us. Hey, sorry, there's my rant for the day. We're going to teach you how to be an officer. Hey, now 10 years down the line, we're going to change all this stuff, all these force, all this criteria is different. And we're going to have an iLearn or a short thing on the computer for your yearly training about how this changes. And we're not going to put you back into a class. We're not going to change the RBTs. We're not going to send you back to the academy or any of this stuff to retrain you on this. We're going to, we're going to give you a 10 minute iLearn that says what not to do. And there you go. Now you have to figure out how to change it. Like you can't change overnight. Like some of these changes that the admin wants, it's just like, like it, 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 it's, it's unrealistic to tell a person, this is how we do business and then expect them to change overnight. You know, exactly. I'm not going to say we don't have evolution in our job, but I was, I was watching a, there's a very good YouTube channel. I think it's called task and purpose for this guy. He's like a, it was like a military grind. He was in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and he was talking about how, uh, when the U.S. military went in in 2001, you had so or went to uh, Iraq in 03. Uh, your soldiers were you taught how to kill and do the you know you're you're an army guy. You go in there, you kill the bad guys. That's it. And then you're training people to basically be cops. You know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, you trained me to be a killer, and now I have to go into a community and I have to like talk to people and play peacekeeper. And you're you're throwing all these hats on people. It's like, did you did you give them the training when you told them to do that? Like that, that's the one thing. Like they don't want to. No one, everyone wants to send you the academy in the beginning, but when it comes to retraining, nobody wants to pay for that. They want to do a quick eye learn and say, hey, this is how it goes, and then turn a blind eye to it. And then set out a, hey, this guy fucked up. We, we told him not to do it. Our policy shows that. Was there any training for that? You know, so much. So uh, in our state, we are the biggest mental health provider in the state. We are closing so many, we've closed so many state hospitals over the years. Our state hospitals are underfunded. We have more people with mental health issues in prison than ever. And I was told when I started, we have a, we have a unit just for mental health. I was told I cannot work it until my, my first year is up. And then you will have a 12 hour class in training about how to work that unit, how to deal with those people. We never had that. They, they got rid of the class to save money. And we got a 30 minute I learned to talk about how we're supposed to talk to these people. I was never taught how to talk a guy down from committing suicide. Or if a guy is hearing voices, what I'm supposed to do, what is my toolbox? I don't have a fucking toolbox. My toolbox is empty. Uh, I've had to learn on my own time about how to deal with these people and just be able to, I picked up things over the years. I got to say, I think I'm, I, I actually like working that unit. I, I've seen some, I've seen a guy slit his throat. I've seen a guy cut up the river and uh, die on the unit. We had to bring him back. You know, I've, seen, I've, I've seen guys have a psychotic breakdown. We have fakers, obviously, don't get me wrong. But we have a lot of mental health stuff that I've had to self-learn. Sure, we have policies that say, hey, there's a training here and there, but we don't get any training on it. And you know, that's probably you guys on the outside too, like policing and you know, you know, military corrections, EMT, we're wearing so many more hats than we used to, but nobody wants to train us on how to do that. You know, they, they encourage us to go out and get our own training. This uh, may it's frustrating. Be, this might be, this might be something for a, another day, but yeah, 
there is this um, idea out there that, oh, you know, just read the policy and that's the new update. The issue is, is that this policy is not clear cut or there could be some. It's worded vaguely. So if you fuck up in some way, they can get you. And that's that's the way we all look at it. Right. That's the all that's the way everybody looks at it is like, well, they do this open ended so they can manipulate it to those they like and who they don't like. And and you're not going to convince me of otherwise. But the other part of that, that uh, I don't know, I think we could get better at. And when I say we like, you know, law enforcement is Mm -hmm. raising the issue a little bit more or not signing off on training until you understand it or actually reading it because guys will brag about not reading you're, you're completely right uh, there, there are folks there's two that sides never that, read our use sure. of force policy and i think those people are fucking insane like how do you go into our prison and not read i i get it's boring like guys i get that reading a 40 page policy about your use of force is boring as fuck but it will save you from going and being from working as a working in a prison to being an inmate in the prison. Well, and here's, here's the other thing is so guys, you know, so we have these little battles going on and then you have the issue of guys expect that policy tells them everything, but then they will also bitch and say that we have too much policy. There has to be a little, like there's going to be things that come up over the course of whatever that, is maybe not in policy and you're going to have to make the best judgment call on that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's kind of this interesting phenomenon where they're like, well, Paul's, I don't, there's no policy on this or uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? There's no way to write policy for every scenario. There's not, there's just not every, I I get why. So like, even though I was, I was was kind of working myself up when I was talking about before, I, I think some of the policies sometimes are vague in certain ways that, they they can cover their ass but also sometimes depending on how good your admin is that if if you do something like hey this is a fucked up situation you probably shouldn't have done it but we're gonna say it's within our policy like so yeah i mean that's i can see why that that's why it's vague sometimes it just depends on who's doing the interpretation and do they have an accurate look at the scenario that you were in right well and and again that's that's where it's difficult because you could fuck something up, but then maybe it is within, but then, but then you, you have like, when you have things that are vague, it's ripe for um, corruption because if it's like, well, you did this and we like you. And so we're going to kind of do this, but then maybe there's somebody else where it's like, eh, we're, we're itching to kind of get this guy out or, the door. Again, this could we're, be we're our talking exit. about like, um, Hey, this is what we've been doing for 10 years, but now a new manager has come in and, Oh, Hey, our policy says this we're interpreting it as you've been doing it wrong for 10 years. And now you have to change it, you know, change what you do, or you're in trouble for doing it that way now. So I, I, you know, it really depends on, you know, your institution. That's why I like, you know, the more I've been in law enforcement or in corrections, the, the more I've been a little more pro union because sometimes I feel like I have to have an independent party that can have my back sometimes or a a, a group. Cause sometimes I look or I'm about to get in trouble or something. And they're like, Hey, we've seen this before. You like I'm trying to remember a scenario off the top of my head, but I, I got one. I can't remember. But like, oh, hey, you're um, like, hey, you did something wrong. Hey, no, you didn't say you, you said this guy did it right this time. But why is it wrong for this guy this time? 
uh, uh, I don't know that, you know, they can, I guess it can be either or, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, there's a lot to it and it's a kind of a complex matter for sure, but you want to talk about some fun stuff? Oh yeah, sure. You know what? There's, there's so much we can talk about prison stuff. Like COVID was a bitch, you know, having to run policies and that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it, for the most part, I like it. It's a, it's a good gig. Now, do you guys have Crown Vicks that you guys use? Right? Okay, so um, prison vans. We have Priuses. What? So for our prisoner transport, we have a Astro van from the 1980s. That's our, our main transport to the hospitals nearby. Uh, and then we have mobiles. So we have a couple of mobiles that will go around the facility. Uh, we, they used to be Jeep, uh, Grand Cherokees, I believe. Uh, it's been, uh, they moved to the Prius like mid two thousands, uh, late two thousands to save gas, but they will, we have Priuses that drive around the facility and you know, they're with their pistol shotguns, and rifles, like just driving around. And you know, it, it's weird to see a Prius driving around a prison, but that's what we do. Cause in all honesty, I don't think we've ever had to engage. I'm trying to think. I don't think we've ever engaged somebody in a fight outside of prison with with rifles and pistols so they're mostly just there as a deterrent than anything else so I'm they sure, care about the gas mileage more than the comfort i'm sure the uh, prius is a very big deter- deterrent you know let me tell you those i used to think the prius was the dumbest vehicle in the world and part of me still does but some of those vehicles are going we have one prius that is going like three hundred and fifty thousand miles those things are reliable as fuck man you know as much as i hate i am six foot two uh, I'm a big guy, I have broad shoulders. I have a hard time getting in that Prius. But you know what? They they work, I guess. They're just I it's weird, own, man. man. Um, so with that said, I mean, I, mean, I know you, you weren't a street cop, but what's the best patrol vehicle of all time? Oh man, uh, I've never sat in a Crown Vic, so I I cannot speak to them. Um, Crown Vic, moving on. Yeah, um, I've I've sat in an Explorer once, and they were okay, but it's Crown Vic. Don't worry about it. Um, now here's here's we have a moment. Dodge Grand Caravan. Shh, we, we're moving on. Crown Vic. Now, obviously, um, I'm a big proponent of humanizing shitting your pants, sir. As an adult, have you shit your pants? Um, once I got so drunk in college, <laughs> everybody's that I had a little bit come out. So like. You know, because dribble. I'm a celiac now, I just I just can't drink. I, I I've pretty much been sober for the last seven or eight years. But um, oh man, college there was a lot of PBR and stuff, and I, I've done it once. PBR will cause some leakage, I've heard. Oh uh, man, that was that, you know what? It was a fun night. I we've been trying to settle the proper way to shit with a duty belt on. Do you guys have a full duty belt or basically? So what we carry on us, so on my belt, I have four main objects. So I have my OC spray. Uh, I keep that on my right, my front and right. I have my front left. I have handcuffs. My back, uh, my kind of my middle back left, kind of like the, the seven o'clock, eight o'clock. I keep a radio. And then we have a CPR mask on my, was it probably three or four o'clock? And then I have a bu- bunch of belt keepers, but we don't have as much as probably you guys have. But you, uh, if, you we're, if we work a belt, t- though, yeah. So if we work tower or if we work mobile, then we have a handgun on us. Then we have the extra magazines. Uh, so I have a, a safe light belt that when I'm working in the prison, I just attach everything to my belt. I have a it's called a core belt. It's one of those with like the sliders on it. 
that it's made for like a gun belt. They're very nice. Anyway, I'll just use a regular belt when I'm in the prison, but when I'm working in a position that actually has a firearm, then I'll use a duty belt for that. Okay. Now, I don't know if you've run into this problem, but taking a shit with a duty belt, do you <laughs> take the whole belt off or do you keep it on with the keepers? What do you do? So I take, so uh, the belt I use, um, so it's a safe white belt. Uh, it has a belt that goes through the loops and that's Velcro. And then the duty belt goes around and Velcros to it. So I actually don't have belt keepers. So what I'll do is I'll take the outside belt off and that comes off just with Velcro. It's pretty easy. And then it's, it's actually pretty easy to get to it. I, I hate having belt keepers and shit. I did that when I first started and I had to take a shit and it took me so long to get it off that I swore I would never use that belt again. All right. Fair enough. Well, buddy, we've kind of come to the conclusion of this very poorly made police memes podcast. Do you have any words of wisdom for the millions of listeners out there? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I can't speak for every state, but, uh, you know, uh, if you're in corrections right now, make sure you're not getting, uh, make sure you, you don't have any inmates that are friends. Uh, don't fuck the inmates. Like, like seriously, there's, there's so many people in the world you can go out and you can have sex with. Tinder. Uh, don't do it with the people. Yeah. I mean, there's so many badge bunnies, like literally my first week. So I moved to a uh, smaller town uh, where I work. I was living at a hotel for the first two weeks. I was, I was dating uh, my now wife at the time. Um, but I, the, the bell hop was fucking hit on me when I'd leave for work. So I'm not, there's people out there that want to fuck you, man. Even if you're 450 pounds out of shape, you got a badge on there. What a fuck you. Don't fuck the inmates. Just don't do it. Um, prison's not as bad as people think it is. I'm sure there's some states that are worse. Like some of the, like some, I, I hear really bad things about like Louisiana and Mississippi. You know, you guys maybe have a better experience of some of the people that work in there, just what you hear. Uh, but there's a lot of states where it's not a bad job. Like it's really not. The pay's decent for some of the places. If you're making less than $20 an hour, don't do this job. If you're making more and you got decent benefits, give it a shot. Like it's, it's really not too bad. Like there are chances of being assaulted. You know, if you're going to go into any kind of law enforcement, there, that chance is going to be there. So it's, it's not a bad gig and you have, you can't go in there expecting you're just going to beat people up. You have to go in there being able to talk to people. You got, you got to be able to talk to people. You got to be human. You got to, you just, you just got to be a decent person. That's all it is. You're not going to go in there. You're not going to change the world, but you know, if you can do your eight and then your eight to the gate and then head on out and be friendly with your coworkers, it ain't a bad job. We didn't talk about this. How's the prison food? All right. So we actually, uh, whew, man, uh, I would have said, so the inmates tell me it's some of the best that they've ever had. Uh, and that's scary. Do you get uh, the food ain't too bad. I eat in your own food. Uh, I eat in the prison. Uh, so depending on the meal, uh, because of my bacillac disease, uh, some meals I can't eat. So I will bring in it sometimes, but I eat at least the breakfast, like they'll do bacon, they'll do eggs, they'll do potatoes in the morning, hash brown, shit like that. I might not be the highest quality bacon or eggs you've ever had, but they're pretty decent. It fills a hole. We got to pay for it. We pay two bucks. You got to, gotta fuck, you have to pay. So the staff, you, yeah, we have to pay a reduced rate to be able to eat there. Fuck them. Uh, the inmates, so like we have, oh my God, they'll do everything for spaghetti night. There's fucking, you know, tamales. They have, you know, bacon, eggs, uh, turkey tetrasini. Uh, I mean, they do food on the outside. You'll see on inside in prison. Uh, the quality might not be quite as good. Uh, like I said, other inmates tell me that the food here is better than a lot of other prisons because we do all, we, like I said, we don't contract out with the Sodexo or someone like that where they're profiting a bunch of money. So we, the, the, I, I would like to think because of that reason, the, the, the quality of the food is higher at our place, but it's still prison food. 
So the quality isn't going to be the best. Oh, okay. uh, oh man. I had a story, but it was going to say exactly where I work. So I can't do it. But anyway, uh, it, it's not bad. It's, it's not the greatest thing in the world, uh, especially right now, the inflation. So what's inflation is up like 10%. Uh, the capital building said that we could not get an increase in food in our budget. So I lately I've noticed a dip in quality, but it's still not, it's still not as bad. I, I eat worse and uh, I eat better than I did when I was eating on college campus at the like university dorms. Oh, fair enough. Say that much. All right. Well, that is the end of our podcast. Uh, you guys know what to do. If uh, you want to support this podcast, spread the word, tell your friends about it. Tell your mom, tell your ex lover, tell your inmate friends to tune in <laughs> to the poorly made police memes podcast. At the end of every single episode, there's a little link. You click on that, use your commissary card, and you can donate. I'm very proud of that, by the way, that joke. Nice. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, you can uh, donate a few bucks to keep the lights on down here in the dungeon and keep this going. Of course, you know, I got all kinds of nice T-shirts, and uh, I should have a coin coming out fairly soon. Yo, you got a coin coming? I I have some. This will be the third coin. Nice. Uh, and then uh, t-shirts, I got all that good stuff. And then, of course, please take care of the, the sponsors of the podcast because without them, I wouldn't be able to do this and I'd have to go get a real job, potentially at a prison. Yeah, buy um, some merch. I bought yeah, a patch. Buy some merch, I really buy like some merch, buy a patch, uh, take care of the guys that sponsor these episodes because they are your brothers and sisters. With that said, uh, remember, don't fuck inmates. Don't fuck the inmates. Like, seriously, don't fuck the inmates. And uh, remember... I love most of you. Bye-bye. Yeah.